Thank you for listening to Sports Unfolded here on Anchor. We want to thank Anchor for everything they've done. It is easy to use, so I suggest everybody get out there and make a podcast, put it on Anchor, and show it to the world. So once again, thank you for watching Sports Unfolded on Anchor. Thank you very much. Hope to hear from you soon. All ages here. Welcome to the Wrestling Den. I'm your host as always, Macho Man Ricky Savage. Yeah, with my co-host. Uh, Nick the Prick. No, 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 no. We, we're turning a new leaf. Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Yeah, Nikolai. N- Nikolai uh, Jerkoff. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. We are your premier source of all things wrestling. Yeah, past, present, and future. That's right. The time has come. Welcome to episode nine. We are here. Nine. We are here live, baby, at seven o'clock p.m. Eastern. We made it. We, we made, made it to the big time. On we time. made it <laughs> on time. We got a lot to talk about tonight, which is great because we have a lot of time to talk about it. So uh, we get the. We will, and I mean, we will have the wrestling's was WWE's greatest fifty tag teams of somebody's Ten time. To one. Ten to one. So yeah, Ten to somebody. one. Somebody made that list. And we also have uh, a lot of good things coming up as well to talk about uh, all around the, the world of wrestling. So I will say one of the things I do want to jump into is that I looked up uh, for like this day in wrestling to find out what was going on. And it turns out I had like a July 5th posting. So in that July 5th posting, though, was talking about the Steiner Brothers. And I was like, oh, man, I get to talk about the Steiner Brothers again. Lovely, dude. And then... <laughs> Turns out, wrong date. Don't worry about them. But you, uh, you, it's your show, though, Rick. You can talk about the Steiner Brothers all you want. It's our show. Ste- maybe. Steiner Mania could run wild. <laughs> they could run wild, or they could run wild, which they did in that match. They did. But uh, I already forgot who they faced. That's the sad part about that. But uh, on another note, we did talk about the 50 greatest tag teams. Uh, what was it? Uh, I already forgot their names. Dang it. Hold on. Let me go back list i'm looking at the list right now no 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 Uh, it was the blackjacks i watched oh yeah just 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 me being me i'm watching uh was it it was the best of the paparazzi productions with kevin nash and they were doing like the the pogo stick challenge and all that because i was watching you know jay lethal and his black machismo gimmick and i'm just getting into the vice deal it all started it all started downhill with rick flair and, and and jay lethal going at it and then i just took off to a whole nother world but i noticed something that i didn't notice before watching that uh, Kevin Nash is talking to uh, Jay Lethal um, back, like, but paparazzi production style, singing Amazing Grace, and then he became Black Machismo. The second episode they did with Black Machismo, Kevin Nash is talking to him and acting like he's black. And, and, and Jay Lethal, this is the second time he's reminded Kevin Nash, he's like, You're not black. But Kevin Nash just goes with it. And, and one of the things he says is he brings up black, uh, the was it Blackjacks? He brings up Mulligan. Oh, great. Okay. He calls him a mulligan. It's just Blackjack Mulligan. I was like, you know, where was this when we were going over the Blackjacks? <laughs> like, where was this? You know? It's all related, man. It's all connected. It's, all- it's like it's like one big <laughs> unit. The number 23 and all that shit. Swear jar. What? Ooh. No, I said all that ish. I don't know. If we had a referee here tonight, we'd be able to tell for sure, but... That was that was like foot on the ropes no watching DQ. him. No DQ. Right? Anyways, 
Miss Liz is here with me as always. Yeah. I'm surprised that so, this guy has a title belt, by the way. He has an undisputed title belt, and yet he refuses to bring it. I wonder I why. You, I want, I'm not going to uh, like take all the belts out until I have like four or five of them, like Kenny Omega, and then I'll <laughs> wear them all at the same time. <laughs> Ultimate Dragon, dude. You got to get that Ultimate Dragon drip. No, that's Ultimate, one of the first guys ever I ever saw with like multiple titles like that. Was I think Dragon. I think that's anybody that was like a wrestling yeah. fan in the night seen and Ultimate Dragon. Like, Whoa, this guy's awesome, right? You just think like he's got all those belts and not a single one to hold up his pants. <laughs> that was good, dude. Ultimate Dragon. I, I gotta see this. I gotta see how many belts he had. How many belts did he tote to the ring? Clickety clack clack clack. Mm-hmm. That's that mechanical. Oh, it was the J crown. So that's actually that's it's funny that we're set ma- mentioning that because on this day in history, uh, one of the things that did happen, just jumping right into that because this is kind of cool that we're talking about. So might as well. Um, where was it? It wasn't Noah. It was they did the J crown tournament and it was the great Sasuke defeated Ultimo Dragon to win the J crown tournament. And with it, a total of eight junior heavyweight championships. That's what it was. It was the IWGP junior heavyweight championship the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship, the NWA World Heavyweight Welterweight Championship. Sorry, he didn't get the big gold, but he got some of it. War International Junior Heavyweight Championship, UWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, WWA, basically titles that we don't know anything about or care about, but WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Championships, British Commonwealth Junior Light Heavyweight Championship, and then, hey, of course... Be, you better be careful. The British... British Commonwealth fans are going to come after you. I, did, I didn't say anything about the British, matter. though. I, I was talking about the UWA. And, the, and if they are uh, part of the Britain, the, the UK factor, then I'm sorry, governor. But nobody cares about your belt. <laughs> Anyways, the last the, the one belt that we all know about and should care about is the, the light heavyweight title from WWF. That was one of the belts that he had uh, lost to great Sasuke. And... Great Sasuke actually ended up uh, getting rushed to the hospital after this match because he fractured his skull. So he won all these belts from Ultimo Dragon. Ne- uh, didn't get to successfully defend any of them. He does his first match back after like fracturing his skull, and he loses them all. And, and the really guy, bite? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it bites the big one, dude. But like he he was it WWF wanted the light heavyweight title back like he lost it to somebody so the other guy that won the belts ended up basically just taking all the belts and giving them back to their promotions respectfully and he kept the IWGP belt like that's the only belt that he held on to. So Rick. So Nick. So now that we've concluded our business with the Ultimate Dragon and his all of his belts. <laughs> Uh, do you want to talk about more current events? Some stuff yeah. that I know people are um, chopping at the bit. Pretty, ex- pretty excited about. Um, yeah, but that's the thing. You, like we talked about last week, you can't just give them the main event right off the bat, baby. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give them a nice little oh, draw. You, you slow rolling everybody. I'm slow rolling everybody, dude. Like we got time. There's no need All to right, rush so, this. So you're saying so sometime in the next hour and twenty minutes, we're gonna discuss uh, Wyndham Rotunda. No, we're, no. we're going to need a full two hours for that. You're going to come back around to what I meant when I said that, and you're going to go, oh, that's who Wyndham Rotunda is. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack, Rotunda. Football. Oh, wow. All right. 
Good one. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, guys. In case we got uh, George, George Samuel Dominguez in the chat. He's uh, watching us rather than the last few minutes of the Yankees pregame. What's up with that? I'm What's sorry, George. I just want <laughs> it's 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 the newest up and coming hottest uh, podcast this side of the whatever. <laughs> Facebook has seen. Why would you even want to watch a Yankees game? Like when you can watch this right here. This is this is what you need. This is this is the good stuff right here. Boom. We're taking over. Baseball, at Boom. least. We're taking we're taking over. I thought you were gonna wear the BWO. That's why I wear the NWO today. I thought we were this is how you start I off wore like the a BWO years. last week. So just because you have like the BWO doesn't mean you can't throw it in the laundry and I don't whatever. even like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he does it. He does it. He told me too. Like so George, I appreciate you watching again, bud. Thank you. This like, like, like doesn't like current wrestling or do, didn't like wrestling at any point? That's the real question because I think we all love wrestling in the late nineties, but I mean, it must see TV. It had a different flair back then, if you will. Is that a pun? Why? Oh, yes, it was. I see. So are you are we gonna are we gonna talk about Wyndham Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh can we talk about the football player? Enjoy the Yankees. I was back to the Yankees. George, thank you for joining us though. I will talk to you at work about this Appreciate in full great detail. So Wyndham Rotunda gets released by, by the WWE. And uh, it's one of the biggest upsets that's been going around uh, Twitter and just about anywhere on social media for like the last week now. Most of it say, being say, say it with me though, Rick. And we're gonna. This is a, you know all. Thank you, George. Credit goes to Jim Cornette when I say this, but say it with me. Woo-hoo. How can we miss you if you won't go away? It's true. So um, I'm excited to see kind of if he was to jump ship. Over- over to AEW if uh, like a fresh start um, would suit him. If maybe let's see if the creative juices were the WWE machine or if it was actually Bray Wyatt or whatever he's going to go by going forward here. What it would if you know, well, I mean, uh, to see. I don't know if, if they have official captured rights of the fiend. Like if it was like WWE, like had oh, already I'm sure that, that they have the fiend, Bray Wyatt, Husky Harris. Yeah, but, but <laughs> the, 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 he might not be the fiend maybe, but like some kind of, we call him the friend or whatever. Still the wearing villain. the same mask, the villain, the, the, oh, oh, the vigilante. Oh, you're saying the likeness rights to the mask itself. Yeah, like, no, like, like, they, like all they got to do, all they got to do is just come up with another one. Um, and, and honestly, let him come back and be, you know the cult of Wyndham or something. You, you could do anything. What, what if? What and, if? He, and, and if he's charismatic enough to carry it, I believe. What? What if he like takes over the Dark Order? So I, this is one of my theories. The so what order. if the Dark Order? You know, Eric Rowan's there. What? If, so Braun mm-hmm. Strowman. There was speculation that maybe he would, but I know with Braun Strowman, he talked about, oh, you know, I'm leaving the WWE. That's it for me. Like I'm not doing wrestling anymore. But you know, never say never in the wrestling world. So Braun Strowman. Let's just say because it's going to be one of those things we're going to talk about. What if Braun Strowman decides, you know what, maybe I will try out AEW. How would you feel about the Wyatt family paying no better tribute to Brody Lee than to take over the Dark Order, and instead of it being the Wyatt family? Hey, you know what? Unlike most things in wrestling now, it would make sense. It would make sense, dude. (laughs) I would. uh, I'd be on board with that. And he could come in and get in, you know, 
put some legitimacy behind it. He's again, he's charismatic. I I think a lot of those ideas, if you asked me, honestly, I think it was a lot of it was Bray Wyatt and the WWE was getting on board with it. And a lot of things that got him over, I think was just based on his character and who he was um, again in, in the ring. And then that's the thing with a character like that. If the character's compelling enough, the in-ring stuff, he doesn't have to be the greatest wrestler of all time. You just got to be serviceable. You just got to have, you know, do things that lean into your gimmick. And I think he can do that and, and, and bring an interesting thing over to AEW and put some eyes, some WWE fans eyes on that product. Um, to me, yeah, I think that that can only be a good thing. But it's really funny to me that we um, every time someone gets released by the WWE, the first thing that happens now is they go, "Oh, well, what's is it going to be like over in AEW?" When mm -hmm. it's it's the it's first not reaction. a foregone, yeah, but it's not a foregone conclusion all the time. You know, I don't well, I don't well, think they're always some WWE guys people. too as well. Like people think that AEW is going to be the only prospect for people because it's it's the national brand that's out mm -hmm. there. That and 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 as much as you want to say competition, like Chris Jericho just said like the other day that he doesn't see it as a competition. But whether whether he says it or not, like as a fan, you're going to see it as a competition. And I think that's the thing that like really kind of sours the note is that fans nowadays, the way that they're treating everything, it's it's always what I see on Twitter back and forth is some fans going to be like. I'm going to be the first guy to tell you right now that AEW Dynamite last night was doing like 700,000 views. And then, you know, what happened on NXT? 645. Haha, -ha, pretty close. And then it's it's just that back and forth thing that really, like, right, I think right. that's why wrestlers They've in general. They've been trading the same 50,000 viewers for a year and a half. Or congratulations, yeah. man. Are you, are the, you know, that's why we, I was glad nobody was doing Twitter around the, the 84 weeks. Okay. And WCW and, 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 and WWE, because if somebody was out there every week posting in and out about how WCW was doing this in the ratings and that, like we get it, dude. Okay. But again, mm -hmm. it was 84 weeks for a reason. Cause you can go 84 weeks. AEW could go 84 weeks. Just slam and WWE you're, again. You're, what you're saying is like, call me when something changes, right? <laughs> like, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and this is the thing. So that Vince doesn't fear AEW. He fears ratings. So the moment that the ratings start going under and he sees that and they become a legitimate threat, guess what happens? You motivate the man. You poke the bear. But what's different now with the Vince McMahon, the modern Vince McMahon, is that ratings, it's not about that anymore. It's, it's honestly about like uh, shares and stockholders and maneuvering the company in a place where the content is there, whether it be on the network or Peacock or whatever, because that's why they created the network. They created the network to get enough of a subscriber base to be able to sell the rights to that to a bigger company. And, and to change history happened. as well. Right. And well, exactly. Yeah. To kind of uh, pave, pave over. <laughs> Who, who's, Chris, who, who's Chris Benoit? <laughs> you know, like. Right. Never. Actually, actually, they do show, though. uh in Peacock, like they show Chris Benoit. I mean, they're not going to well, mention him. For them to go through and systematically silhouette him as a person or cut all of his matches out, there's just stuff that you you couldn't do it with. He was such an integral part of so many things that you can't just eliminate him from history. You can't. And and and, and as much as it sucks, and we and we all get it, it's like beating a dead horse. Though, no matter how you look at it, like oh, there's people that say he should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. I'm not going to argue that one. I'm not going to say yes or no to that. As a wrestler, should he, he be in the Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame, any? True, but they should redact okay. that. They should redact no, it. That's no, 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 no. It's is based on your body of work. It's based on what you did between the ropes. It's like I, I get it. It's, it's like, like a Michael Vick, OJ Simpson, Simpson situation. 
Is he in the NFL for, like Hall of Fame? No, but uh, uh, Wyndham Rotunda is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, yeah. I just, no, no. I just think that you you have to base it on that and and what happens in personal lives and especially with with Chris Benoit, some of that stuff and, and you don't want to absolve a murderer or anything like that, but a lot of that stuff was mental and a lot of it wasn't. I feel like though it was it's it, if you put him in the Hall of Fame, it's not a matter of absolve. I don't think it absolves what he did. I think it's just a matter of just showing what he did in the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. Keeping the two right, separate right. in terms of, you know, respect the talent, hate the man. Right. And, and it's just a touchy subject. It just really is. It, it's is. such a hard thing to deal with. And the big thing with Benoit is that it's not what he did specifically. It's that he did it. Then they had a, a episode of Raw or SmackDown, whatever it was, celebrating Chris Benoit. And then it came out that it was it was much darker than it first appeared. They thought he, they were all murdered first by someone else. Yeah. And like, oh, remembering Chris Benoit and this and that, and everyone's teary-eyed. And then post-mortem, Chris Benoit made Vince McMahon look stupid. How do you and how do you forget someone who, who won't go away? Right, right. I have one thing by Finger Eleven on my old iPod, and let me tell you, I will not forget. Okay, I will not forget because every time that song comes on, the only thing I think of is that that heartwarming raw where it's like everybody was paying their respects and and then all of a sudden it was like the next day flip of the switch once everybody found out what was happening it was kind of one of the biggest cover-ups i've ever seen besides like the montreal screw job for like the longest time dude like they were just like oh like oh was it just like when uh hawk goes hawk and macho media and he backs up out of the interview mm-hmm. that's what wwe did the moment that they found out what was really going on it was like oh and then yeah, they took yeah. Him out. yikes, dude! They, no, they realize like we're live, Hal. Like that's but, but, just. But I don't blame them for that either, because if you think about it, like what would you do as a company? Like you, you're not going to take a stance. That's what you're going to. That's what you're going to do. Like basically, the respects were given that night. If any, if you want to look anywhere towards a Hall of Fame, that's where the respect was given that night when they did the like the promo, like the packages and stuff, like remembering him. Like that's what you're going to. That's you might as well just take that as it is, because they could have just taken that episode off the air. And never showed it, but they did. Like I think they mm-hmm. do. They still have. I think they may have pulled it now on Peacock and stuff like that. It might be pulled. I don't know. I it, I bet you that's a tough ask to be able to. When I when I get that. there, I'll let you know if I see it or right, not. Right. Because I'm 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 watching. I'm gonna be watching from basically like maybe eighty five up. Mm-hmm. At some point because I want I want to I want to watch the wars in like full. Kind of just get a fresh perspective on things and just because like I was a kid when I was watching that, you know what I mean? And then it's like I never really got to go back and revisit. Right, for sure. No, there's stuff that you miss as a wrestling fan because there's no way to have your eyes on it every week, every inconsistently, especially stuff that happened before you watch wrestling. That's why we should be grateful to services like Peacock, you know, and even the network. It was it, you were just able to dissolve to find it all in one place to revisit, you know, some of this stuff. So um with that, my circling back to our original point uh, with Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, Rotunda, the Fiend. Uh, I just genuinely think, you know, he can add an interesting dynamic to AEW if he was to come in and do a Dark Order thing and maybe legitimize it, bring it back to, you know, something but a little more serious. If 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 he does the Dark Order, so this is this is my question to you then. If if he were to do this route, and this is just a hypothetical, obviously. We don't know what his plans are. He could be going to Impact for all I know. He could be going to uh, ICW in the UK. You know, like he could be going somewhere we wouldn't expect. But let's just say, you know, for shirts and goggles here, 
that he goes to AEW, mm-hmm. right? And he and, and maybe the Dark Order thing, either he goes against them or joining them would be the perfect thing, especially, again, reuniting Eric Rowan, you know, um, if Braun Strowman joins AEW as well, that's another hypothetical. If he joins, reuniting him, and then obviously Bray Wyatt. Even even if Braun Strowman's not a part of the picture, just having Eric Rowan and having and Bray Wyatt in that same ring, you know, in a different ring together to kind of just – I just think it's the perfect move. Just because Brody Lee was the leader and now that he's gone, it just makes sense. But let me ask you, what's that mean for Adam okay, Page yeah, then? I can see. What's that mean for Adam Page? If the Dark Order takes on Bray Wyatt and he takes over, right now what they've been doing is that there's been a slow build in the AEW ever since the very first episode. Like when he lost the title of Chris Jericho, basically Adam Page's character from that point on, basically he just kind of showed like the de-evolution of his character. Like he was a part of the elite, but then like they would show him like drinking. And then when he did like the football field match, like it's funny because he runs in on a horse and he and he's you know, going around as the anti-hero, but then like he ends up at the bar and it's a, com- a comedic relief thing. But you can see on his face, the character showing the emotions of what it means. Like he lost the opportunity to win the AEW world title, like, you know, first aired match. So up until that point, now you're talking like two, like how long has AEW been out? Two years? A year? Yeah. So like, yeah, I would say about, that's crazy to say to me. Cause like, that's, that's the thing. I haven't watched much AEW in that time. But if they've had about like two years out already, that just goes to show how much they've done in the time that it's taken me. And as a fan, I still see them as new. But that's that's just how things go. Like going through the pandemic, they, that's that's where it was. They they started up and then they had the pandemic, so then they lost the crowd. And it's like then they got Matt Hardy and they did all this stuff. So what I'm getting at is that yeah. They're building up Adam Page to to take on Kenny Omega. They've already they've already just showed that you know with that match he did that sick like backwards pile driver or whatever. Um, like I just I just know as the character being in the Dark Order like the Elite have like brought him down and he got to a point where he didn't believe in himself and then the story's dictating you know that now the Dark Order's helped trying to rise him back up and get him to that point and then obviously he has this match with Kenny Omega for the title this opportunity you know but. In this situation with the Dark Order, if Bray Wyatt would come in and interrupt that and say he would take over in some kind of way, the perfect thing that Adam Page could do is leave the Dark Order completely. And right. they've already done with – so what is it? They got Tully Blanchard, they got Arne Anderson, and they got J.J. Dillon. And they did this thing where the FTR were in the ring, Sean Spears comes out and saves them, and J.J. Dillon's in the ring, and what? Uh, Tully and, and – and, um, was it was it Tully and Anderson that came out and they and they threw up the sign and they kind of like signaled that the four horsemen mm-hmm. like this would be the new four horsemen or whatever. Right. I I would say this is this is what I see from that. I do not want to I don't want to see Sean Spears anywhere near that. If they were to do it, a four horsemen in in, in AEW, I wouldn't want to see Sean Spears anywhere near that. But FTR. Absolutely. It reminds me of the Anderson brothers, dude. Like the, it, it makes perfect sense for these guys. And even like totally like FTR have like a little bit of each of those, those enforcer type characters that were in the four, the original four horsemen. And then you have another guy who just asked for his contract release. And that was Rick flair. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, he, damn well, maybe he saw the, the writing on the wall and maybe he saw bright future uh, coming in and promoting Sean Spears. So he was going to jump over to AEW. jump over to AEW. I'm I'm with you on that. If you're gonna do something, it was kind of like when he gave the Miz 
you know, uh, he, he gave him his permission or like his blessing to use the figure for, and mm -hmm. we were all just like, <laughs> like who cares, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I see. So if they're gonna do something that's gonna pay homage to the Four Horsemen, some kind of revival, for lack of a better term, then what you could do is like, you know, you, you'd have to do FTR, you'd have to do, and then have Tolly and Arn and even Rick there to create that like to legitimize it a bit that'd be a very interesting uh dynamic I mean, that was going to lead us into talking about rick flair's release this is another one that's like not earth shaking you know it's not really that big of a thing rick flair's jumped around he's been in tna he's been back in the wwe he's like it, when the time calls for it they'll 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 give him a ring and rick will come in to do something you know with charlotte or do something Hall of Fame wise, as they give him his. 12 well, I mean, if they could get Chris Jericho on on the Broken Skull podcast, like you're talking at this point, they're not really. It's not really a full fledged competition. The only ones that are making a competition are the fans. Each company is just trying to do their own separate thing, and whether or not they see the other comp as as competition, neither one's going to admit that they are because they both right, are just well, trying to the focus on their own too, things. Rick, they want the fans want to relive the past as they well. Do. That's why they're trying to make it a war. That's trying to why they're trying to make it a thing. Even though I think everyone is fully aware that the WWE has such a foothold in, in wrestling now, as opposed to even in the late nineties or mid nineties when they were floundering and stuff, it, it's so much different now. So yeah, EW can come in and I'm all for competition and stuff like that. And I really hope they give us an alternative that, that puts a lot of eyes on it and CM Punk comes in and Bray Wyatt comes in, uh, da uh, Brian Danielson, uh, what, what have you. My concern though, with that, um, is that you know we're gonna hit this wall where I don't know if AEW has enough experience to really put these people over the way that's necessary so they could be taken seriously. Wrestling needs to be taken seriously, and so when even if CM Punk comes in and, and has this really uh, intricate storyline where you know an in-depth storyline with Kenny Omega or whoever else, and you go, "Wow, this is captivating. This is great," but it, but it's shared on the same you know, broadcast is, is some weird, silly, you know, slapsticky stuff. You know, it, it just, it, it takes the piss out of it, you know, to an extent. So my, my concern is that they, I don't, especially Bray Wyatt, you said, okay, we'll bring him in. He could be, uh, you know, leader of the dark order or whatever. And it's not to say that in uh, the attitude era and things like that, there wasn't silly stuff, but it was to a minimum and it was always under card guys. Um, you know, and I don't think it detracted from how serious we took Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, when Val Venus was getting the choppy choppy, like, I, and it's on the same broadcast as Stone Cold uh, title defense or something. I don't think it really made a difference or changed anything that, that much or delegitimized it. But my concern is when they're trying to do this alternative WWE and there is some silly stuff on there. I just hope that they keep like some of those people's theme songs. Right. I just hope that they keep the guys that we want to take serious separate from the silliness. Like when Sting's out there she trading half-hearted kicks with Orange Cassidy, it's it's great. It's a great gif. But I'm just like Sting, go home. You ain't got nothing to prove. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I that, feel like they, they they use these older guys to be there to kind of help 
you know, get the new guys into some pretty big storylines like that, like Sting's presence being there wearing the T-shirt because, you know, like he's going to have to keep that T-shirt on. Like these guys are there to like, oh, it's cool. Darby Allen's the guy with the face paint. Well, that reminds me of Sting. And guess what? Sting's in AEW and he's his mentor. Like it's it's cool because it's 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 giving people a reason to care about Darby Allen. But other than that, like, you know, just running into Orange Cassidy and, and doing these these fake kick trade offs. I I personally I like that. That's that's a personal thing to me. Is that it's just seeing it is is that Sting as somebody who's been wrestling for many many years, just like Chris Jericho and and like Undertaker. Like he's had a, a lucrative career. He's been around since the eighties. Here's a guy who has reformed himself in so many ways. And to me, honestly, this feels like his like TNA kind of like a like an extension of his TNA into his WWE character. Like how after the point of like the crow sting, and then he just tried different things with his face paint. Like though he was experimental, I feel like it kind of ruined like the sting character for me in in terms of the crow sting. Like at, at that point, you're doing different face paints, but but he's mixing it up and he's doing his own thing. So I can't fault Sting for that. But Sting being an AEW and then willing to do these unserious things, like that guy by any means is is a professional wrestler. So if, if he's giving his blessing to sit there and be like, yeah, I can just do some fake kicks with this guy and then do it and just be serious, like looking as he's doing it. And it's funny, just some comedic relief, like it challenges people like Jim Cornette who say, I don't want to see this kind of stuff in a wrestling ring. Like, like that's the things that about Jim Cornette, like he thinks he knows it all in the terms of, you know, yeah, it is a little bit disrespectful. If you look at the sport itself, like it's disrespecting the sport because it's making a joke of it. It's making a mockery of it. And we already put that kind of stuff. Like people say, oh, wrestling's fake, you know, and then you try to defend it. But then when you try to defend a fake thing like wrestling, like entertainment, it's entertainment, you know. But when you try to defend it and then it's like I think that's what Jim Cornette meant when he said, like, it, it disrespects the sport is that when you do stuff like this, like it was mostly that was about Joey Ryan and like using using his, his penis as, as, as a thing. And like obviously like it, it rubbed Cornette the wrong way. So that's why he was so adamant about talking about this. But it disrespects the sport and says that when somebody says wrestling's fake, it is hard for you to say, no, it's not, without saying, well, wait a second. You got you got Joey Ryan over here dick flipping people and they're yeah. selling it. So no, and it did it did remind me like when Sting was do, delivering those kicks, it's less 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 uh you know or it's more palatable than watching Mick Foley. I agree, uh, wrestling Ron legend take take the dick spot like you're saying. You know what I mean? I, I'd rather see this, you know, kind of playful thing where Sting and this person are like kicking back and forth than than you know Mick Foley grabbing Joey <laughs> Ryan's dick. Like, but I mean, but I mean, like 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 WWE did it like with DX and stuff, and that's like kind of thing. Like this comedic relief is what makes it again entertainment. Like to back up. On the other side of the spectrum, it's it's sports entertainment. That's what we're watching now. It's it's no longer like the world of wrestling. Like we're not watching an Olympic sport. We're not watching um, like the Japanese, like how the Japanese style of wrestling is more on the traditional side. So stuff like that is still alive to this day. If you want to see serious wrestling with no no gimmicky stuff or anything like that, go watch like like British strong style. Go watch yeah, Japanese but you, wrestling. But you, or, say, but you say that, but then there's like a dude wrestling a ladder. In a hardcore match, or and even uh, in Japan, Kenny, like Kenny Omega against the blow up doll or the invisible man. Well, listen, you Al Snow like, putting himself through a table and a hardcore Holly no, coming out going the, like but, WTF. But see, with like with Al Snow, his gimmick, his gimmick was that he was he was unhinged and he is he had a screw loose. So guy moonsaults himself through a table. It's stupid. 
but it's it's a throw. It's an underneath hey, thing. You can't you hey, can't say in the same. Him, Kenny Omega was wrestling on, in the hold on, invisible hold on, PW Insider. Kenny Omega is the greatest wrestler. You know, and then he's he's out here doing stupid things like oh, you know, what is a Don Callis is sixty nine me or whatever. It's like okay, you know what I'm saying. You, you can yeah. be silly and be the top guy and stuff, but you also you don't want to make wrestling farcical you do not want to make a joke out of it because then you if they see you not taking it seriously then the fans don't have to take it seriously either and how are we ever supposed to get behind a serious storyline and be captivated and be motivated to watch every week when we see these guys you circle jerking in the ring and doing silly stuff that's all and that's not to say they're not they're not athletic they're not talented or any of those other things i'm just saying in your pursuit of trying to be funny, what you perceive as funny or, or meme worthy or, or whatever. Botchabay worthy. You know, seriously, you don't, you just don't want to lose. You don't want to look like you're trying too hard to be something you're not. And you don't want to take the piss out of your product. Whereas nobody's going to take it seriously. Do you think that stone cold Steve Austin would be caught dead in his prime wrestling the invisible man yes because he's better than uh the the average man that has been put in front of us in front of a camera i think that's that's he just to me do it. he well stoke wouldn't even get in the ring anyways because he's the only smartest man alive to not get back in a ring after wrestling in 19 like he knew when to call it quits and stay out of the ring and that's why i respect him the most like and in the chat here too uh, about comedy and wrestling being great when it's not forced that that's my my issue with that too is when you're trying to be meme worthy or gif worthy it, it is you can see it's a little heavy-handed you can see so, that it's not naturally like stone cold when they do that stupid thing where stone cold buys cowboy hats for him and Vince McMahon, and then he gets the Kurt Kurt shows one. up in the small one yeah it, no it, like that's just funny to me when Austin's uh, spraying Shane and the rock and Vince with the, the beer truck hose and Vince is on the ground flopping like a fish. That's funny to me. Okay. The visuals is funny and it makes sense to the character to an extent. Cause, because in the weeks prior to that, he's driving a Zamboni to the ring. He's, he's doing a flying clothesline. He, he's filling uh, Vince's uh, Corvette with cement. You know, that that guy. So him driving vehicles to the ring, going to the hospital, like, and him with a with a bedpan. Oh, the bedpan. That's it's funny because yeah, you get like that's that, that's bedpan, deadpan comedy right there. Right, right, bedpan, mm -hmm. deadpan. Yeah. And it, so yes, does wrestling have stupid stuff like that? Absolutely. Wrestling is is. Hey, some things are very clever, like a dance off in the ring. Sort of. It, it the context matters, and if it's underneath stuff, and if it's meant if. It, when it's go time and it's go time, then for you, Jesse, and you can take yourself seriously. It just can't always be that way. And I guess that's what they're going at with with Kenny Omega that his his wrestling's going to do the talking because he's not really doing like the he's not doing the worm. He's not doing the big wiggle. He's not doing you know what I'm saying. Even the Rock, big you can wiggle. say, oh, the Rock is the people's elbow, which is one of the most comedic wrestling spots of all time. But he's one of the most over people, and that's why it worked. Is because the Rock is so he could sell you anything. He could do anything, and you would just laugh at it. Because he owns it, and then he takes himself seriously. And when the time comes, they you know, have a five-star classic, and it's not a joke. And so I guess you have to have a balance. It can't always be dead serious, but it also can't always be silly. I mean, so but I concern, feel like, like Orange Cassidy, like there's your silly. 
Um, I love Orange Cassidy. To me, if I if if you ask me who's my favorite AEW guy right now, like he's one of them. And this is this is when I started watching. Was that I I fell in love with the character because I immediately was grabbing to somebody that I already knew who they were because he's done Chikara. Like he's been wrestling since like two thousand six. Like he's a great wrestler. I know he's a great wrestler because I've seen him. You know, and, and a different Inter- character. Great wrestler or entertaining wrestler. Bret Hart's no, a great no, no, wrestler. No, no, he can <laughs> wrestle. He can wrestle. Like that's the thing. Orange Cassidy knows how to wrestle, and he he's a he can be technical. But that's the thing. He his gimmick right now overshadows that because that's what got him over. Because when he just seriously wrestled, it was just like okay, here's another guy out of many people that were brought up this way into this kind of like traditional like bringing back the the old school um, sports. You know, I'm a wrestler. I'm not an entertainer type deal. Like you know, guys that can really go but just don't have any uh, character to them, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Orange Cassidy needed a character. So when he put on the sunglasses and he started putting the hands in the pockets, like he was like in 1988, they live like, or being Marty McFly in back to the future. Cause guess what? When it was in the eighties and you had your hands in the pockets, it was cool. One hand, man, I'm just chilling. Don't mess with me. The vibe is right. Two hands meant, all right, now you're going to get it. Thumbs in the pockets. Now it's on. Like he's coming. <laughs> To the point in the chat, too, it, it can have the reverse effect. Sometimes you do need a character to get over. You could be the greatest wrestler of all time. And uh, like guys like Bret Hart, being the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, the excellence of execution was the gimmick. The fact that he was the man when it came to what happens between the ropes. The, to me, that that's part of a gimmick. Like the hitman, you're like, well... The hitman, like, like what? Is he an actual legitimate hitman? No. He, no, he's, he's the just, shit man. No, it's just a it's just a nickname that he goes by because everything he does he's is crisp and and to the point and like to me that works. The crippler Chris Benoit, you know what I'm saying, where he can stretch you and he can beat you down and do this and so that's a gimmick, you know, toothless aggression and and BS like that. Mm-hmm. It, but then. Yeah, stuff like 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 they're saying in the chatter, like Eugene, where it's like, okay, this guy can wrestle. Let's give him this mental handicap that he can be a legitimate handicap to him, and this and this albatross around his neck he can carry around, and it it doesn't have a shelf Three life. Warning. I, I, I told you that before about a shelf life, like the the superhero in training or or super what's her face? I can't remember her name right now. Um, Nikki, almost Nikki a Cross. superhero. Yeah, to me, it's like okay. You're just you're setting who, someone up who legit fail. got a, a clean win over Charlotte Flair. Okay, and I will say this right now: the happiest of moments for me was seeing her get a clean victory over Charlotte Flair, who you know I hate. Woo! It, it, okay, that's fantastic. But what's the shelf life? The 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 queen of wrestling, Charlotte Flair, and her wrestling lineage. That's that has you know staying power. That's gonna stick around. Oh, and almost a superhero is like I almost care to watch. Okay, that's that to me. It just doesn't. It's not gonna stick. It's not. And so, well, that's <laughs> you know, I I agree to an extent, but I will say, just going back to Orange Cassidy. The, oh, the I bet one you want to talk about Orange Cassidy for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, listen, but that's the thing. As a character in AEW, what drew me to AEW was different from what drew me to TNA. TNA drew me to Jeff Hardy. I didn't know where the heck this guy went, where he took off after WWE. So for as a wrestling fan, then the first thing that I got to see from a different promotion outside of WCW was seeing 
Jeff Jarrett, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy. Like what I was introduced to Diamond Dallas Page at this point in time. And like, you know, seeing guys that were familiar, and that's what AEW is doing, seeing old WWE guys that were there that I know in this different promotion that I have no idea about and seeing these other guys, like that's what works. You know these guys, so they're going to bring that kind of like bring the eyes to AEW. So it's like, oh, hey, I know Matt Hardy. Like I know Ric Flair. I know like, you know, Tully Blanchard. I know all these guys. But then you see guys like Orange Cassidy. And that to me was like the bread and butter of AEW is like these guys that they had that weren't the WWE guys are the guys that you want to focus on, that you want to push, that you want to build because that's your household names. Unfortunately, with the amount of talent that's in AEW, with the amount of people, and as we talk about tonight, like all these guys that we're talking Bray Wyatt being released, where's he going to go? Maybe AEW. Ric Flair, maybe AEW. The next guy we're going to talk about, maybe AEW. My point being is with all these guys being AEW, it outshines guys like Orange Cassidy because now like that thing that me and you have talked about before, the glass ceiling has been made for Orange Cassidy. Like This is a guy that I – entertained by would love to see be champion just because even though he does all this funny stuff that's what makes you talk about changing the wrestling landscape never in a million years would you see a comedic guy be the wwe champion but in AEW, maybe you could and that's what makes them different like i'm not talking rock funny so called funny i'm just talking about orange cassidy is just like a comedic relief character to me but if that guy was champion and then he like, you know, every time he got chopped, he became serious. So it was part of his gimmick that you get right. to see the real Orange Cassidy come out like mm-hmm. and well, that you guy was your champion. Yourself, though. You, you, you just like to, to my point is there needs to be a sense of, of seriousness and legitimacy to it. So he has to snap and to have that aspect of his character that to me would make a ton of sense. Um, but will he is the question. Will will they show that they are the change of wrestling or will he kind of kind of fall in line with everybody else. Like, will that just be his thing? What do you right, think? Right. Me personally? Yeah. Like, what uh, do you think with that, with Orange Cassidy? I'm not sure where that's going to go. Sometimes uh, you run the risk of resting on a character like that, whereas it may be cool now. If he doesn't change, if there isn't a new dynamic to it, um, then it could get stale, could get old. Uh, just like the orange juice sitting in your fridge kind of thing. Like you, you got to drink it. Well, the drinking's good to me. Like that's something I always thought that Chris Jericho was good at was reinventing himself to an extent to make his character not stale, mm-hmm. like give them a different version of Chris Jericho to follow, whether he thinks he's the best in the world at what he does, or he's the Ayatollah of rock and roller or no, um, now he's the Ayatollah of Coca-Cola. Cause if you see that right. gut, you know, and, but you know, or, or the list, or uh, the Lionheart, the human highlight the reel, Jay. No, seriously, save us, save me. And, and that—that's to speak to to Chris Jericho's credit and how great he is at re- reinventing himself. But Orange Cassidy, I guess it. Let's see, two, three years down the road, if everyone thinks that shtick is as funny as it was. But but the first. But some characters funny. though that stand up that don't need to change like like is stone cold because stone cold changed all these characters but what i mean i think the only one that i could say that that i probably enjoyed personally besides stone cold steve austin is maybe the hollywood blondes because there was there's there's some history there once it once it came up with the heart foundation and brian pillman and then just the whole feud was stone cold versus brian pillman like you have the hollywood blondes so like and there's a tag team that stone cold didn't want to be a part of but ended up enjoying and wanting to stay a part of and got broken up despite 
you know, something that he came into being like, I want to be a singles wrestler and then falling in love with the idea that this, this can work. I could do this with this guy. And then WCW deciding you guys aren't going to be a tag team anymore. And then obviously having to go to like gimmicks, like the ringmaster and having to do his thing through ECW until he finally found himself, you know, at King of the ring and stone cold was born like stone cold from that moment on going out. But the only things I think that he reinvented was like, you know, when he decided to, take up the mantle of leading WCW and ECW, the, the two companies that did the most dirty to him. But and sometimes doing- changes, it changes for the worse, you know, because like that whole thing I, I think was a dead to the stone cold heel turn. I, I didn't thought when that. he had the edge, the two man power trip and all that. I thought that was great. Um, and that's really where they were going with it. And uh, the unfortunate side effect of triple H's injury at that period of time is uh, people do forget that the, yeah, the invasion angle happened and the Alliance and all that, but triple H was on the shelf the whole time that happened. Triple H wasn't there because of that injury. That's so why when he came back, that, it was like one of the biggest pops when he yeah, came back. Well, because they're like, Oh God, thank God. It, it was so weird. Again, how can we miss you if you won't go away? Cause mm-hmm. when he left, he was one of the biggest heels. He's part of the two man power trip and they were beating everyone up with chairs and beating up Lita with a chair and the Hardy boys and doing all this stuff. And, and then he gets hurt and, and Austin's kind of where he is, you know, and then they're like, Oh, well, let's just have me do some funny stuff and this and that. And him and Vince's friendship. And then oh, the old stone cold comes back for a week and then they hit the pay-per-view and he turns on WWF or turns on WWE. And then he's just like the leader of the, wcw at ecw alliance it's just strange and and in hindsight i'm sure there's a lot about that that they would change whether it's stone cold or the writing team or vince himself um, well, one of the weird things i found about that is because i got to see it live so i this is before i realized that like live events before like pr- certain pay-per-views like survivor series was one of the biggest i think turning points for the invasion when um was it kern Eagle turned on you know, turn on and, and help WWF. Like Kurt Angle was the guy who basically solidified the win for WWF. You know, Kurt Angle like it was the steel chair. I got to see the live event for that, so I got to see that whole card like live and them doing the test run for it before they did the actual pay per view, like a week or two mm-hmm. before they did the pay per view. So for me, that's why when I saw the pay per view, I was like, uh, I remember Mike Awesome, like because Mike Awesome came out and that was like the big thing at the time was Big Show. Mike Awesome comes to the ring, he slides in, Big Show like chokes him, and pins him one, two, three. It's like it was supposed to be first Big Show's first like pretty much squash match, like the fastest match that he did, which was Mike Awesome like literally cut the music, came to the ring. Once he got in, bell rung, he chokes him, pinned him. That was it. Like that whole pay per view. Uh, I remember Undertaker like dude, just seeing like the Hardy Boys and stuff in the ring. It was so cool. I didn't realize I was watching an actual like dry run of a pay-per-view though. And right, was, that's right. what's so cool about it. It's like, I got to see all the results. And then when it happened, like that was the thing, Kurt Angle of all people, like changed the tide Kurt Angle. And at this point, like he's like kind of the comedic relief character. He wasn't the biggest role in the, the Alliance type deal. He wasn't the biggest role in the invasion. Like he was there as one of the guys, obviously, but like you had Undertaker, the rocks, Stone Cold, uh, Kane, like when all and Chris Jericho, even like when they were team WWF and they were doing the funniest skits, in my opinion, some of the funniest skits they've ever done is when they finally put these guys in a room together and they all kind of just like, oh, and Austin's like, yeah, and he's and, slapping and Undertaker. Yeah, face. oh my gosh, <laughs> no, and I, I was, I was watching this thing saying that 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 moment is like it was kind of a, a challenge in, in the locker room between a lot of the wrestlers to like get Undertaker to. To break character with the so spin and everything, 
yeah, that's just him trying. That's this them rib and taker and trying to get him to react. And then, like in true Undertaker form, he just says, "Like you do that again next time, you're gonna pull back a nub." And and Austin's just like, oh. <laughs> like back to what he was doing. <laughs> like that to me, that that's that's so good. Like it be and again, you, you, like you said, put him all in the room. It's kind of like a um an ensemble cast. And then they take, do some take funny stuff. Guys, dude, and it's like the Expendables, dude. Put them all in the room, dude. And let's see what your best guys can come up with. Since they're all great at promos by themselves, put all your best guys in one room and just let them go for like even just like what was it like thirty seconds to a minute would be the and thing. That, but that, to, um, just to, to go to lead that into a point that was being made in the chat too about like establishing things and, and taking things seriously. Like the reason they can do a little comedy bit with those characters and Austin's got the acoustic guitar and he's serenading Vince and stuff is because they'd already done the work to legitimize themselves as serious entities. They'd already done what was necessary for it to become a foothold in, in the sport or in this business whichever way you want to say it. And so then you can afford to, Oh, it's funny to see him do something like that, you know, cause we're all human at the end of the day. And, and sometimes life is, is funny, but they'd already gone the necessary route to legitimize themselves. And so I think that works. And to me, Orange Cassidy starting out his first impressions are some of the most important ones for him to be a comedy thing. It's like, well, where do you go from here? You've committed to this idea. What do you do now? I, I it, it does need to be evolved and, and be maintained in a certain way. And it's it's just it's weird and then you want to bring in legitimate people like chris jericho when he was first there it was like okay well chris can elevate some of these other guys because he's a dude who's been on you know people's screens and people know him for the last 20 so years he can legitimize these people but unfortunately because he was happy and content with just getting a big paycheck and and then doing stuff with these guys. Have you ever noticed that the only thing, and I want you, if you watch AEW in any consistent format, the only person who takes himself and carries himself legitimately all the time and takes himself seriously is Cody Rhodes. He's the only one. And if you watch it, you'll see that, that he's like, no, what he does is serious. Well, what, he just got attacked and, by uh, by uh, Black when uh, he took off the right. boots. Like he was, he was insinuating – I'm retiring. He gave the salute, and then he got attacked okay, at the crush. But have you ever noticed that Cody, for the most part, has been able to avoid the long-standing feud with Orange Cassidy or Jelly Nutella or um, Joey Marco Nutella? Stunt. No, no, I'm serious. Like he, <laughs> Cody, just he he knows enough about himself and knows enough about wrestling to not coexist. Or, or, or uh, you know, blend himself in with these uh, comedy gimmicks and these things. As I so, say, he hasn't at all. But no, but he's trying. I to agree with you because I want to. I want to say this. I feel like, and this, I think you're gonna like this because this is actually coming back around even to another thing we talked about. And this is what I, I'm really excited about. So Cody Rhodes is actually someone I want to talk about. Um, if if you look at Cody Rhodes in his career, he's never gotten that main event opportunity that he. I would say he deserves now. Um, in the WWE, you never really got to see that kind of light of him where you thought he would be a main eventer. And then when he did his own thing, once he left WWE, he finally got that opportunity. I feel like for him, but obviously being the owner, like, you know, being the biggest 
piece of AEW. You can't, you know, just win the world title because everybody's just going to look at you just like how when we were running our, our wrestling promotion, like you can't become world champion and also own the business too because everybody's just big. Oh, this guy's just giving it to himself. And then we already see right. kind of enough of that with the elite. I've been, I've, I've been in that position before too. Like you, uh, <laughs> we both a, have, you know, yeah, me being a moderator, you being an admin dude. You have, to, no, you, have to, you have to have the responsibility of making the call without being self-serving. You know, you have to do stuff that's going to elevate everyone around you for the greater good. So, however, it's difficult. If you naturally end up in a situation like a story, a very good story, a very great story that's being told, and you tell it naturally, one way or another, if you get to a situation where that title comes like comes into play, mm-hmm. and it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. And for Cody Rhodes. To say that this man would be in AEW and to never win the AEW World Title, hey, maybe that's it. that. Maybe that's his plan. But I feel like there's a bigger plan in store for him, and that plan is we talked about it. What about a four horsemen? And I thought about this, and I, and I thought about it. One of the people that I wanted to see. So I talked about Adam Page. Mm-hmm. I talked about where would he go. I want to see him four horsemen. To me, Adam Page okay. is FDR. Here's the weird. Because Cody's so self-aware about his lineage. But, well, that's it, so. I wanted to touch up on that because that's why I'm getting Cody Rhodes. Dusty mm-hmm. Rhodes was the original, like you know, that was the thing to the Four Horsemen. It was always like Dusty. You know, he wasn't a part of the Four Horsemen. He was the enemy. So Dust, mm-hmm. like that's the thing. There's Dustin Rhodes, and then there's Cody. But Cody being Cody, and that's the best part about Cody. I think Cody's at his greatest when he's a heel. And, and he's wearing the suits, and that's the thing. Cody's always wearing the suits. He's got the style, dude. He's got the blonde hair. You might see, like, Dusty, but to me, I see Ric Flair, dude. I see bits of Ric Flair, not not the more so, woo, and just be, but just the aggressive Ric Flair. The I mean business, this is my title, Ric Flair. Like, Ric Flair in his A game, pulling out all the stops. The nature boy, dude. That's what I see. I see shades of Ric Flair and and heel Cody Rhodes with the blonde hair. And Cody Rhodes, to me, is such an interesting dynamic to this Four Horsemen talk because if Cody Rhodes was to do the one thing that his dad didn't, and that's, you know, it's 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 like poetic justice or maybe injustice. Cody Rhodes, like if a like that's the thing. Ric Flair, that's one of the pieces of the puzzle. Is 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 to me, Ric Flair coming into AEW. And this is what I can see with that Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. under his tutelage, the one man who was against like his father, Cody Rhodes, turning basically against his old man by becoming one of the the horsemen would be one of the craziest things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like, that's heat. That's about. heat for sure. Like you said, he's he's and to my to my point as well, he's so self aware of where he came from and and his father's legacy and stuff. To do that is a very Hulkster esque. <laughs> late drop on savage at bash at the beach kind of moment where where okay but but you got to start it out you got to you got to you got to build it so so you got to do the natural thing so say adam cole comes in rick flair comes in and arn and flair and tully and, and jj are it's ftr and it's adam page and they're the you know and then they have some other men i thought of adam horsemen. cole i thought of adam cole if he came in he would be a really good fit too but i also thought about this too is that adam cole if you notice that him being the leader of the Undisputed Era all this time, I don't see him mm-hmm. with a star-packed thing like the Four Horsemen. I don't think it would be a good fit for him. And this is what I see about the Four Horsemen is that what would be a good fit for them is to somehow, some way, get involved with the Elite, and that would be Adam Page versus uh, Kenny Omega. I almost said Johnny Omega, so shout-out to a friend's character there. But Man. Kenny Omega and, and Adam Page, with, with how hot this is going, 
if if Adam Page was to somehow help FTR, what's already going on in terms of like Tolly and Arn and JJ Dillon, where they signal to the FTR, if they were somehow to get involved with Adam Page, and that's it's it's the three of them versus the three of the elite, you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Okay, so you got three on three, and then you got like kind of like the four horsemen kind of like backing them up, right? Because like say Ric Flair comes in then, and it's like, oh shit, Ric Flair's here. That's sweet. And then it's like, but what if the original four horsemen, you know, get a this is the thing. Adam Cole comes in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, though. Here, so he's they they're, say they're beating him down. Say that, like you're saying, um, like the Four Horsemen FTR, they're beating down the elite, right? Just just smashing them. And then Cody comes out with a chair or a chain or a pipe. Or, you know what I'm saying? And the, the, the point is, like, oh, he's coming to help it. Because we all know that they're the, uh, what are they, part owners of the company or whatever. You're like, oh, the obvious thing here is that he's going to help them against the four horsemen and have this 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 feel good moment, and then to have him turn to do something that 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 costs Kenny the title or something something legitimate, something big. To me, that would be very interesting, and 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 I guess we'll kind of see where that goes. I, but 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 Cody is not the guy I'm thinking. I don't I don't think Cody's fit for the fourth role. I feel like Adam Cole's way to into this whole thing. If, if he was going to come in AEW, being a part of the Bullet Club, like that's the thing. Him and Cody have both been a part of the Bullet Club, been a part of the Elite. You don't really see Cody with the Elite much, but Adam Cole is somebody who, before he had left, you know, the Bullet Club, like he was hanging out with the Elite. So him to come in, and that's why I was like thinking, oh, Adam Cole going against because you would think he would go in for the Elite, and all of a sudden this guy turns on him and becomes part of the Four Horsemen because the way that this is working is that the Elite are the heels. So the four horsemen, the way that they would have to form, or as baby faces, but eventually you would see the real four horsemen come out of them, which is the heels. But to get that stepping stone, where it's like, oh man, this is so cool seeing the four horsemen and being like the badass faces, would be Adam Cole joins the elite, super kick party around. To, and, but this is the thing. So if it's just FTR and Adam Page at this point, and they're getting attacked by Adam Cole shows up, so it's the four on three, the four on three, Adam, Adam Cole. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega attacking FTR and Adam Page, and the numbers game is is gaining against them, so they, they can't keep up. It's three of you gets four, you know, and because like maybe Adam Cole comes out and it's like he's he's gonna be like oh he's gonna get up with Kenny Omega and them, and then he's the guy who turns on Adam Page and FTR to like all right the leads back baby we got Adam Cole right, and then all of a sudden the four horsemen come out because these guys have been hanging out with FTR and let's just say Adam Page gets involved in this way, and you got you got the four horsemen dude with JJ Dillon dude coming out to save the day, and then they're getting attacked, and then like like Ric Flair's bouncing off and doing a, a back roll, and he's getting excited taking his jacket off because he's getting knocked around, and this is the first time this dude's getting ready to get knocked around since like Batista dude, and, and like so he's getting excited because he's being ragdolled. Same thing with Arn Anderson because those are two guys that are like older but can go. I wouldn't put Tolly or I put I would put JJ in, in a ring to get knocked out, but they would be in the ring like they're going to be the next slaughter, you know, you know, the next lambs to the slaughter. But taking guys that are more active like Arn and, and Rick that will take those bumps and and go down for the four horsemen, and then it's like, oh no, then it's going to be Tolly and it's going to be JJ. That's when Cody Rhodes comes out, and right, right. somebody else I want to throw out. Brian Pillman Jr. Because as his dad being a part of the Four Horsemen at some point in time, being the fifth horseman, because they talked about that, if they were to do a Four Horsemen, they would actually want to see kind of like a Five Horsemen, like just like throwing another guy in. I think mm -hmm. Brian Pillman Jr. is the perfect guy because he's not like 
any of those other guys where he's built up like that yet. Like he's not like Adam Cole. He's not like Adam Page. He's not like Cody Rose. Like this guy still has like ways to go. He's still young. So I think him being in the four horsemen, but under the tutelage of these guys again, and then having Cody Rhodes with like Ric Flair basically kind of like show him the way these guys would have the most epic feud with the elite. And Brian Pillman would be basically the game changer to that. He would be like the fifth guy to the equation that would kind of like really kind of turn the tide for the four horsemen to where they could eventually do a heel turn when, when say the elite are ready to go face or whatever, and they do their own thing. But the, the biggest thing is, Adam Page and Kenny Omega. These are like the, the two big things. You know what I mean? Like th- those are the two big factors right there to make this work, to make it make sense. And then everything else that kind of falls into place would just be so much more cooler to see. Like, dude, I would love – I thought about this last night, and I can't stop thinking about sets. If I saw Cody Rhodes – again, if I saw Cody Rhodes in the Four Horsemen, like the new Four Horsemen, it just blows my mind how cool it is. Just how cool that it's like – Dusty didn't do it. Dusty was the was the guy against them. But seeing Cody as the guy with them and maybe needing Dustin to be the guy to kind of pull him out of it or even better, to, for Cody Rhodes to get that world title that he deserves, that that opportunity to be that main sell event. His soul. He's basically got to sell his soul, but he does it for a purpose. Here, here comes true Cody Rhodes. He turns on, when they become heels, Cody Rhodes turns on the four horsemen eventually because you have Adam Page. And you have Brian Pillman Jr. and you have these guys. And even like that's where I had Adam Cole in the mix too because seeing Adam Cole, he's going to want to go for the world title. So a triple threat feud between Adam Cole, Adam Page, and Cody Rhodes. But even then, just taking Adam Cole out of the equation, taking the elite out of the equation, Cody Rhodes turning on the four horsemen, and then it legitimizes the four horsemen with Brian Pillman Jr., mm-hmm. Adam Page, and FDR. But like having Cody Rhodes being a part of it for its, its startup and then being the guy to make – this whole thing was just a ruse. And then it's just the perfect payoff because then it's like he did what Dusty couldn't do, which is join the four horsemen, but he did it to be within the ranks and take out the ranks from inside. Like that dude, blows my mind. Right. Right. No. And, and that, that, you know, as far as fantasy booking goes, I think we, we, we could kick, kick a few uh, ideas around the writer's room, but um, it really, um, to something you did want to discuss um, was, you know, the concept of whether it was good for AEW to be signing, you know, all of these, uh, you don't want to say leftovers, but all this WWE talent, past talent, and, you know, kind of what it means to them. Because here we are talking about something, but we're talking, there's a lot of hypotheticals here, like mm-hmm. um, bringing in Ric Flair or bringing in Adam Cole or, uh, as we already discussed, Bray Wyatt or the whatever's actually in the Because none of this is even stuff that's even on, like, like just like Sam Punk and Brian, like Brian Danielson. Like none of these things are like officially on the table. These are all hypotheticals, but that's what makes this conversation so great right now is that is that if these things were to come in, into fruition, I dude, I would be on board like one hundred and twenty percent. That answers your own question, though. Is like, is it a bad thing? I don't know. Has it gotten the conversation going? Have, have I shifted from WWE to AEW? Depending on what happens with Punk and what happens with Daniel Bryan or what happens with Bray Wyatt, and and again, it might be temporary. It might be uh, semi-permanent. That's the thing that they need to do. Though. They need to draw in these wrestling viewers, these fans from the WWE, and keep them. That's what AEW would need to do. I can even say this, whereas I've been lukewarm about AEW all this time. Um, Punk and Daniel Bryan thing, that grabs my attention to an extent. Mm-hmm. Ha- they have not signed anyone else that 
even up to this point that I'm like, that isn't some kind of retread that isn't some kind of thing I've visited once before, you know, with Matt Hardy or Chris Jericho or, um, anyone, honestly, FTR, Sean Spears, blah, 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 blah. To me, this is the, this is the one. And then this is their, their shot. I, I think to really make some noise. And again, I have concerns. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they can legitimately present a story that will captivate me to be able to ignore how much silliness goes on in the rest of the hour, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it is exciting. We're, we're sitting here talking about it for sure at length. So to me, at least the potential to I, AW, this is be, the potential. It can't be a bad thing. I don't think bringing in legitimate talent can be a bad thing as long as you keep it semi-serious. So to your question about oversaturation, I don't think it's possible. I think you have to, you have to have something that works and something that, that people, you know, are watching consistently first before it can become an oversaturation, like in the early two thousands, you know, 2004, 2005, and then ongoing until now, like WWE had, they, they, they first had to have this up period where everyone was watching. It was so good. so captivating. So for us to even reflect upon it and say, Oh, well, how come it's just not as good as it was before? So you hope for something like that. You hope to be hot enough to to make that statement and to have all those eyes on you. And then so people can sit back and say, oh, yeah, the good old days. There needs to be good old days to begin with mm-hmm. for you to have that. So I think um, it'll be it'll be a good thing. It just really depends on how they conduct their business. That, that to me is the most interesting part. I I haven't been more excited than now to talk about this kind of stuff because this is the stuff that – I'm a casual fan, and I would love to become more invested in AEW because, to be honest here, like I'm not, I'm not your your go to source for AEW because I don't watch it religiously. I'm I'm so casual about it that like what I'm talking about, maybe I'm wrong about stuff. Maybe somebody that does watch it more than I do is watching right now and saying this guy's a joke. I might be to you because you know what? Honestly, I'm on I'm on the same table in terms of I I will be the first to admit. That as as a wrestling fan right now, because of the low period that we're in, the the, the honest facts, like I don't watch like I should. But as uh, as somebody who runs a podcast about wrestling, this is the most interesting thing that I could have possibly done for myself to in re, like in revigorate myself as a wrestling fan is that just these potential things that could happen and the and the hypotheticals. But these hypotheticals, if they would have happened, even just like one fourth of what I talked about happened. It would at mm-hmm. least pique my interest enough to want to see what how that carries out. In a perfect world, dude, if they made these exact moves, just like I talked about, and again, the pieces to the puzzle, if if Bray Wyatt were to come in and take over the Dark Order, so it forces Adam Page to do something else outside that Dark Order, but keep his momentum going against Kenny Omega, that being the Four Horsemen, it would show it would it would give evolution to Adam Page's character in terms of. What brought him out of the slump that he was in was the Dark Order. But what brought him the success that he deserves is the Four Horsemen. You know what I mean? Like telling that kind of story just kind of to me is like the greatest thing to see come out of this. Will any of this happen? Who knows? Adam Cole, what if he signs with WWE again? You know, we don't know. That that stuff is not official. Right. So, well, so we can't say w- that. He's a it. Triple H guy too, and I don't think they'll just let him walk. And that's so. the thing. He is a Triple H guy. He's been one of the hottest things coming out of NXT. Like, there's so much more for him to do besides NXT. 
And I feel like he hasn't even touched that, you know, that pinnacle yet. He hasn't even gotten into a main room, which is crazy. I feel like they needed him more in NXT because, again, with the ratings war that that wrestling fans are doing, like NXT is is the thing that's carrying WWE right now. And and for me and you, maybe we we're hoping that Raw and SmackDown take that that throne again. You know, seeing the guys that they have on there because that's that's what it's supposed to be. Okay. Uh, when we did our wrestling thing, it was NIWA Breakdown, not NIWA Flashbang that was running the show. And as much as guys wanted to make NIWA Flashbang, no, that, that show and all the was for never did was elevate the you know, the overall level of the product. To me, that's how it should be. So NXT yeah. should be so good that the people on Raw and SmackDown say, "Oh wow, like look what these guys did on on this Takeover pay per view. We really need to bring it. We yeah, you know, we got to bring it." But it's it's, yeah. it's quite the opposite. No matter what they try. It's just like this is what people want to see is they want to see what's happening in NXT because that is the future. And mm-hmm. but they're stuck getting the main show being like wow. pat, like things done in the past and the present. Speaking of things that people want to see. Rick. So for for three weeks now, our viewers have been waiting for us to reach the end of this tag team list, this top 50 WWE tag teams. And we're down to the final 10. So home stretch. That, yeah, so so to me, um, you know, what they do, hopefully, you know, AEW can do enough or WWE can do enough to reinvigorate itself and this competition can be, um, you know, quality enough for any of these people to reach the top 10 on any top 50 list <laughs> going forward in time here. But uh, but as it stands, we're, we're on to the, uh, from 10 to 1 on the, Greatest tag teams, according to the WWE, the very heavy-handed <laughs> WWE. I can't, I can't believe you're gonna throw this at me right now and make me talk these these tag teams, which is just this this list has already been debunked two weeks ago. But I love the yeah, fact but, that but we're finally the, getting to the cream. I love the, the yeah yeah the cream of the crop. We already missed that dude with with the Mega Bellas being on number twelve. Yeah, well, but what <laughs> I I've been so invested. In, it was. Yeah, I've been invested in the hypotheticals that like. I dude, honestly, my heart's gonna be breaking if 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 I don't see this go down the way it is. But it's also at the same time predictable and to be typical that if it doesn't play out this cool, because that's the thing, you could come up with a million crazy fifty like fifty greatest ideas that ever came up in wrestling that they never used. But like your right. mind is that, that much opportunities. Fifty greatest uh, missed opportunities th- in wrestling. Yeah. If if they don't capitalize on something like this, and this is just coming from me. This is my opinion, not anybody else's. This is not saying that they should, but in my opinion, that if they did this as as a wrestling fan for me, just the, having history there with the four horsemen, if they did this how exactly how I see it in my head, dude, I would. I, I tell you, I would. Uh, boom. That's what the first thing. So I was interested so much in CM Punk and Daniel, Daniel Bryan, but with this week, the, the 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 gears have been changed to these hypotheticals. That's just one more thing that would drag me in because like. I'm I'm on board for just CM Punk. I'm on board for Brian Danielson. Like CM Punk being there alone is big enough for me to want to watch, you know, on a weekly basis, just to see what right, he's right. doing. But to so, see so stuff right. like this capitalizing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, continue. You're fine. Oh, I just, was just gonna say, you know, you're saying like, oh, this is how I feel about this and that. But uh, I was gonna say, you know, do you feel the same way about the British Bulldogs? <laughs> Before I talk about those guys, the, the top ten being Eric, are you talking talk like top ten our favorite wrestlers, or like the best wrestlers in the world? Like, is it? 
Is that the kind of top ten that you like? You you want to see us bring? Well, he's one day? wondering if they, if maybe say we talk about these top ten tag teams and then we would... oh like do our own own version of yeah. it. Okay. Well, we can even we can even even say like where we agree or disagree on mm-hmm. these or anyone else outside of the WWE that should be on this top ten. So why why don't we dive into it and then we can kind so of British Bulldogs. Um, I mean, honestly, as far as like the British Bulldog himself, uh, I, I feel like, uh, Davey Boy Smith, I feel like he's probably going to be like the, it's, it's like Scott and Rick to me. Like, like obviously he's the one who stands out, who, who ended up becoming the bigger brother, like the bigger Smith dude, you know, to me, like how he wrestled, but the British Bulldogs. Well, with Bulldog and, and Dynamite Kid, um, it was a it was a really great mix. Is Davy Boy was the powerhouse, you mm-hmm. know, and then uh, Dad and my kid was just explosive and hard hitting, and um, I I just think it was a really great mix, and and I and I think that uh, I feel like for where it was in time, that's what made it exciting. Because like if I was to make a my own top ten about this, our own top fifty. Um, greatest tag teams like maybe but I'd list these guys about the British Bulldogs to put them in top 10 because obviously they put them at number 10 on this list but that's the um, thing like for me I didn't get to watch like their matches religiously I know about the British Bulldogs you know I know who the British Bulldogs are so it's enough of an impact that they've made in their I think in their career to solidify that choice of being top 10 because they are to me like when you talk about like old WWF stables and tag teams like that name is on the list you know and there's there's for good reason it's not just like uh, some random tag team job squad version two, killer like, bees, right? Yeah, the yeah. killer bees, Brooklyn Brawler, and 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 dude, like, like it's it's obviously somebody that's it's formidable. So to me, I can't rate them any higher or any lower. I feel like them being on top ten, I'm fine with it. I agree with it. Right. I don't. I don't know if they would crack my top ten again, just based on their body of work and not having not seen it as much as you know, maybe in their I can prime. Agree with that as would be necessary. But you know what? I When it comes to a WWE-centric list, I don't see any reason why they would be excluded. So maybe 10 is exactly... It's a tone shift for the list as well. They're like, oh, here's Demolition, who just didn't make it into the top 10 with one of the longest reigns of all time. But here's the British Bulldogs, and you go like, oh, okay, now we're really getting into I feel like they'd be like top gritty. top 25, maybe. Top 20. I'd put up like Bulldogs? 16 lists. No, top 20 in mine, yeah. maybe. Yeah, like my sure. like my top ten. Like, there's a lot more guys on this list that I could move down the list. Like, uh, being Paul London and Brian Kendrick being one of them. Like, as a personal choice, like I would move like the way I'd shift these guys. Definitely being top twenty. They're the a notorious like a notorious group. Um, you know who the British Bulldogs are. So I feel like they deserve right. to be on the top yeah. twenty. Um, but again, top ten. All right, I'll leave them there because of what we're stuck with now. But right, right. If I had if I had my way, like yeah, if I had it my way, like Burger King, dude, we'd be I'd be pushing them up to sixteen, probably sixteen. Well, 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 here, here's an here's another one. Here's an interesting thing. Speaking of top tens, two guys who I would put in probably my top 10, 15 individually, but then make it onto this list as a as a, a group is team? the Brothers of Destruction. Mm-hmm. So number nine is the Brothers of Destruction and Kane and Undertaker. Of co- I mean, of course they're great. It's just me and you were talking on and the rest of this list about. Like two individual guys you put together, Jericho or Miz and Morrison, 
Well, actually, no, it's a little bit different though. Miz and Morrison is. are coming up together. But also, but think about this too. Two established guys. What? All the guys that you put together, though. This is this is the one thing that makes this interesting to me, though. But out of all these guys, this is what makes it my exception to the rule in the, in the trump card is because all these other guys are two singles competitors that became something great, and they're just that great that you fell in love with it. But they were meant to be singles. Mm-hmm. Right. The brothers of destruction were the were the one thing. Kane is Undertaker's kayfabe brother. So in this aspect of this right. tag team, this is the most serendipitous. This is what you want to see culminate right, out of that right. big feud. Right. They they're finally- at their best when they're together type thing. They, mm-hmm. They've made amends and, and they yeah, – yeah, yeah. So I know exactly what you're saying and I, I totally agree like 100% because as what Kane can do as a singles character and what he's been able to prove after WrestleMania 20 when like because like, WrestleMania 20, Undertaker beat him. And it's like when he finally was able to – not be the shadow anymore and he finally put undertaker down like multiple times after that like that's where kane mm-hmm. finally decided like he finally showed himself as a character unfortunately i feel like kane could have done that when he had the mask on originally to begin with like kane right, to right. me was never somebody to be overshadowed by the undertaker well, or somebody to, to match the undertaker they did it to an extent when they lit the casket on fire the first time and taker left and then came back uh, and was like i won't face my brother and this that and, and then yeah like i said he wouldn't face him then he fucking oh, sorry Swear jar, and then he uh, lit him up in the casket, and then it Taker had no choice but to take him down, kind of thing. And then the same thing happened with WrestleMania 20. Like you said, he turned on him. He was the devil's favorite demon. He was like Kane was making his own way, you know, it, it, and got out of Undertaker's shadow. But then, of course, Taker comes back and casts one very large looming shadow all the time. So, like you do, like when it was Taker versus Kane. At that point, you knew it was going to be Taker, especially when it was like this is when Kane was unmasked, and mm-hmm. then he first tried like like WrestleMania twenty. That is a prime example of like Undertaker coming back at WrestleMania twenty as the Phenom. Like this is a big deal, cause, but this is where there's the biggest disappointment for me seeing him in this in the singlet. <laughs> like oh, right. I loved WrestleMania twenty, but seeing him in the same uh, at the same time, it was just basically American Badass Undertaker without right. the the headband. So it was he was right. kind of cool, but once he did the singlet and, and went down from there, that's where it kind of digressed for me for him. For it, like in conclusion on the Brothers of Destruction, though, I would just say that they're just so dominating as a tag team, and they're just so you just knew that knew who no matter who your tag team was was Edge and Christian or any of the other guys in this top ten list, Kane and Undertaker as a group, uh, them on the same page was so dangerous, so dominating that I could see them in this top ten. I probably would just put them somewhere in the top twenty, but again, it's it's hard to argue. Me personally, as it like just like greatest tag teams of all time, any promotion, I definitely agree with that. Like I would put them in like a top ten, top twenty. For me, I feel like on a WWE greatest tag team, I would actually put them higher on this list. Higher? Then higher. okay, well like, we gotta visit some of these other guys because a lot of the a lot of the names, the rest of the names on this list, I would rank I, I, higher uh, than them. How about this? Just to not in fair, the order. Not in the to order. To be fair, to be fair, looking at the people that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I would put the number seven, and I would move number seven up for sure. And I'd move actually number seven probably. Actually, I'd move eight. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to talk about number eight. One of my favorite tag teams of all time is the New Age Outlaws. Number eight's the New Age Outlaws. And to me, for them to be eight behind um, two of these more modern tag teams, it kind of kills me because uh, mm-hmm. to me – People are going to hate us for this opinion, by the way. Like, like where me you like, are, they didn't have a bazillion tag team title run or anything like that. What was that? What was that? I was I was saying 
people are going to hate us for this one because me and you, our opinions are going to be about the same on these two new tag teams on here versus looking at mm-hmm. all these other guys. This is going to be like the, the ages thing where it's like, here's these old time guys like saying that these guys aren't going to deserve these positions that we're going to name off again right, with right. the new age outlaws. But somebody real, else real is going to be thinking about this and like, like, nah, you're wrong, dude. Oh, like, right. they deserve no, to be there. They're going to be Uso guys. They're going to be New Day guys. And they're going to say, oh, hey. might as well just, yeah, throw it out there. It's, it's Usos and, and New Day. Well, Sorry, we'll guys. T- we, no, we won't tell them where they, where they fall on the list either. And, and real quick to answer that question in the chat and then get right back to this before we run out of time here. To the new age tag team match, in my opinion, there's this one. It's, I think it's Edge and Ray versus Eddie and. Oof. Is it Was Kurt? it Chavo? I don't. Maybe Chavo. There's. I might be blending two. Oh, this um, is when Edge was doing this thing where like he was tagging with Hogan, he was tagging with Ray Mysterio, like he was doing odd right. tag. I think I. Th- I think I'm blending two different tag teams and or two tag team matches in my head right now. It was Eddie Guerrero and Dominic. <laughs> no, not at all. Right? No, 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 <laughs> Jim and I with Simon D number three. So, um, with the New Age Outlaws, without that, oh, it was Chavo. It was Chavo. DX, DX would have died. Mysterio on Edge versus Eddie Guerrero and Chavo. DX would have died the night that Austin hit Sean with the stunner, and and Sean left. DX would have died without without the New Age Outlaws coming in, and like X Pac would have been cool. It comes in. Yeah, but uh, they were there were guys that even when it was just Sean and Triple H, like when the New Age Outlaws were coming up, mm-hmm. those are the two guys that they they seeked out. They were like. They wanted to give that extension to them, and then it was kind of like, you know right, what, these guys the were actually, yeah, because they were they were a similar tag team, just like DX raising hell, and it's like it made sense, mm-hmm. and like it would have been awesome to see those guys coming at that time. But the fact that it was mm-hmm. kind of like, you know what, these guys are actually really cool without us. Like they don't really need DX to. That's why the New Age Allies were such a great thing. And then when Sean ended up leaving. You know, it ended up working out anyways, and they ended up well, joining DX. And that's DX. why X-Pac always came out to the DX music, or his version of the DX music. And the New Age Allies had their own gimmick, their own thing outside of DX. And they got hurt later, They and then they put Road Dog and X-Pac together. They kind of became the DXB team, where they were like Triple H's henchmen. And I was kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. Like, I miss Billy. And I, and I, I can't believe I'm saying, you know... I miss Billy Gunn it, to some effect, but I, I but I did. It's just like, dang, you know the, the comment, whatever it is about Billy Gunn and Road Dog separately. Well, it's the same uh, that you, you can know, say about and Billy and Chuck. They, they're I just feel, not to say lackluster, but they're just they just don't have the shine. And then to have Billy Gunn and Road Dog together as the New Age Allies, it, it just is a different entity. And to me, I would rank them higher on this list. It, they'd be close in my top five. So, so um, let me ask you then, because you mentioned Billy Gunn. So what what disappoints me? Where's Billy and Chuck on this list? No, I'm not even going <laughs> to no. justify that. Not only because we don't have time, but because <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't. Uh, we, we should move on we, to number seven. Can we, can we, <laughs> how quick do you want to make number seven? Because I can talk about um, it right now. What what I enjoy about them, and it's taking them. How long have they been in the WWE? Hold on. How long have the Usos been in the WWE? Long time. Long time. May 24, 2010. So you're talking about a team that's been in the WWE since 2010. Ten years, dude. And I've only liked them for about three months. This whole thing with promos. (laughs) Yeah, that like literally what they're doing right now with the head of the table and Roman Reigns. I like I like what they're doing now because it's it's it's, because that's like to me, those guys. (laughs) If I ever see Luke Cows do one of those faces again, we gotta say 
out loud for the for the graphic number those <laughs> the usos yes so number seven being the usos no number seven what is they're doing right now no, no it's <laughs> though it should be over the usos <laughs> make sure man um u-s-o-s usos Usos, Uso, making me crazy. I hate that they say Uso. I don't care for them as like like they've never been entertaining to me. I've never enjoyed watching the Usos. I've always just felt like they were kind of like to me. This is mm-hmm. honestly, and this is this is a hard criticism because Paul London, Brian Kendrick. As much as I love them, and, and and I can see how people might feel the same way about the Usos. Like they can wrestle. It's not to say that they can't wrestle at all. That the you know that they're just two guys that wear cool looking attires that are twins. Like the Bellas, like who can't wrestle, but like they have talent. But that's the thing; their characters, like I but, still but don't look, know which if, one is if, which. If Jimmy Uso was walking around with that ass, like uh, Brie Bella, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd watch. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's not a swear jar one, right? That ass. No, it can't. No, be. but okay. but for me, it took it took the Usos changing the color of their hair for me to understand which one was which. Like that's how much they don't no, mean right, nothing right. to me because they're twins <laughs> and they get lost in the shuffle like how like the Bella twins did like oh one can just switch out the other one. Well, you you do you do have to give them credit though for the fact that they have I gave them all the credit they deserve together as a team like a legitimate tag team because we've got we're, we've gotten four four teams into this list and some of them have been mashups that were just better together than they were apart kind of thing or or as good together or dominating together but like the only credit they, they, they are just a legit what, just gave them. what was the that only credit they deserve is what i just gave them what their haircut when they cut their hair and you could no that, them? that what they're doing right now in these past two months with the whole edge thing in the head of the table well, and roman feud with their feud with the new day i remember that distinctly All right, guys, I'm, I'm, just, but i am being very biased right now i'm just letting you know that i am being very biased so do not take my opinion as fact because what i'm I saying doesn't you know necessarily that. I don't so. even know if I would put the Usos in a, in my top twenty. They you know, they wouldn't be in my top. They would be top like maybe but, like uh, at a WWE maybe top forty five. But we're just being again. There's some bias involved. Grouchy. We're being grouchy and, and not old. grouchy. We're just being biased like, because I just don't think. Uh, well, if you think about like the last ten years that these guys have been here, name a better tag team that was active than the Usos in the last ten years in WWE. I, the, the only other one that's on this list, the only the only one that's better, is coming down uh, on this list as, as well as the Highlanders to JT Heat's uh, point. The Highlanders. But what the Highlanders? The we're gonna get to. Were Highlanders? They were 2010. I thought they were like 2009. I'm just. I'm. I'm kidding. I don't care about the Highlanders. Listen, the Highlanders were like the original war war raiders, dude. Womb raiders. Yeah, <laughs> okay, but that's, so, that's the thing. That, that's the thing. So the only two modern teams, like you don't have the War Raiders, like the Viking Raiders on here. You don't have like anybody else. The only two teams that are on this list from modern in the last ten years are the, are the New Day and, and the Usos. So you're gonna tell me that those two teams alone, like yeah, you could say that they carried the WWE and tag teams, but the tag team division has honestly sucked. Right? Why? Well, yeah, time. you're saying you're saying you're the best by default because you're one of the only legitimate tag yeah, teams. it's like not even fair. Point. Like. At that point, so so these guys so, like the War Raiders that that get shoved down, or what about even AJ Styles and 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 Shaquille O'Neal over there? Like you got these two guys over here, one big guy, one little guy. Like talk about those kind of right. tag teams. Like there are singles, anything to at least a semi. And that's the thing that like what bothered me about Money in the Bank is that like the War Raiders are, are a legitimate tag team, but lost to AJ Styles and that other guy 
Um, and, and as you talk about it, AJ Styles and that other guy are singles competitors coming together versus a team that hasn't even gotten that push yet that are a legitimate tag team, but they got buried to these guys to put them over to make them look strong and, and whatnot. Right. But it's like, then, the, then what's the point of having the war Raiders around? Like what's left for them to do right, right, if they're right. getting jobbed yeah, out? You like need this? to let them be legitimate and, you know, let them, there can be only one, by the way. If you're going to make a Highlander reference, there can be only one reference in the time that we well, have. Well, there can be only one more on this list, then, and we'll, we'll just save the top five. Well, why? For this week. <laughs> we don't know because we got like three three minutes and six teams. You can talk about them for 30 well, no, seconds no. apiece. And so so the, next, well, no, the next show is at 9 o'clock, so we can at least get through. The, this is the best part. We got all the time in the world to at least fish. And I won't say all the time in the world, but we at least have. Right. Enough time to be able to do people this. List. That, people in the pre- in production to start sweating. Do, if you do, do, oh, do, we got all the yeah. time in the world. <laughs> do, do you guys? Do you guys want? By the way, thank you, Ron, and, and thank you, Eric, as always, our hosts for for hosting this. Um, we don't get to say it enough during every episode. Sometimes we forget. But if you need to know and you haven't heard, these guys are what are what make the show. They help us out in many ways. You got you got your boys down here. They're doing the graphics for us. They're making sure that we don't have to have a mouthful of things in my mouth to say. Like follow my Twitch, follow their Twitch, follow you know, th- they're keeping the show going where I don't have to get all bubbly up and get all you know frantic and whatnot, frazzled, the word. But uh, see, that's the thing. Eminem's not even on this list. That's what bothers me. Eminem's not even yeah, on this. They were no wait. Oh yeah, they, 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 sorry. They, they, they were, were higher. They were higher yeah, on this much, list. Much higher. My bad. Okay. I think, I think they ranked they ranked Miz and Morrison higher than Eminem, if I remember right. But I don't. Mm. But I will say just to, to to wrap up uh, the Usos or whatever, uh, and that so we can move on to number six. Uh, if if this ever refreshes again, we'll see. Um, the the Usos, I'm not going to discredit them for the last ten years for what they've done as a tag team. Like if you're going to put them in this list and you're going to be unfair about it and put them at number seven over all these other guys, you might as well because between the Usos and the New Day, there's nobody else that really had that much of uh, of hype behind them as a tag team and war Raiders included. Unfortunately, like these guys, even like the Wyatt family, like if you're going to put these two guys on this, this high of the list, then there you go. Those were the two teams that were basically the John Cena and Randy Orton of like the last 10 years that you were forced to care about because there was nobody else. There so that's the thing about that. Legitimate that's, thing. But, but it does speak to the legitimacy to be able to be legit, to stand out in this, this blurry crowd of, of forgettable tag teams that it counts for something. I does. Ge- genuinely, it does to, to actually be someone I go, Oh, I know who that is. And you, cause you went the war Raiders. I couldn't tell you who that is. I know that there's um, those guys. I remember like the revival. I remember who they are. I remember who DIY is. I remember, um, geez. Wow, DIY uh, wasn't even on this list, but maybe it's cause they're part of NXT. I don't know. They were on this list. list. They were on this list. They're DIY the was. Yes, we talked Where? about him. Nah, I thought oh, they were okay. Never mind. 40. Number thirty-eight. Okay, so that's weird. That yeah. 30, they had a way better. And that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, and were those other guys too. The um, who were the two guys who uh, the two big guys in in like flat oh, jackets. authors of pain. Authors of pain. Yeah, those guys. See, I I remember them slightly, but the once ascension. they hit the main roster, right? Yeah, uh, the ascension. There's a perfectly good. Example, they hit they the main roster to, and they just they ascended tank. to heaven, dude. <laughs> they ascended yeah, to heaven they, and they descended <laughs> to hell. I don't, I can't so much. The brothers so, of destruction, the brothers of destruction, right, dragged to hell. hell, right? 
No, uh, and even they did a burial of the revival by DX and stuff. They just like they, they've got oh. they wonder they wonder why we are like oh the new age outlaws and DX and blah blah blah. And we so finally remember this. <laughs> the, the, no, these old guys because they did such a bang up job of making sure that anybody who was new was just delegitimized by someone you know from the old guard it's like oh of course the attitude is better of course the D the dx is going to smack this tag team around because they're dx and the right or the revival's just a revival they they just like shot the 13th so reunion of dx brother you know it's like that meme where um what's his name shoots uh hannibal burst in the chair it's like yeah. wwe and it's like dx shoots the revival and goes well, how come nobody cares about our tag team division because you killed them and some some retro raw episode for fun, like. Anyway, speaking if you of wanted, the past, if you wanted if you wanted a retro tag team to shake up the new division, if both members were alive, God rest their souls. Number six being the Legion what of Doom. Rush. Rush. Yeah, dude. These guys. Legion of Doom. These guys. Okay, as far as number six goes, I. I legitimately, this is one tag team that I enjoy that are older tag team because these are just two big brute men, just just big meaty men, just, just slapping me. Ass beaters. It's like the APA <laughs> to me. Seriously, the APA always yeah. gave me Legion of Doom vibes because they're just two big meaty dudes pounding on people. You know what I'm saying? Just beating you up until you can't you can't go no more. And like, oh, it's fantastic. Legion of Doom, they're obviously classic. The Road Warriors, as they were known you know, mm -hmm. in AWA and, and all that stuff. To me, what is there to say that hasn't been said? Uh, uh, the Legion I of Doom, like, Hawk and Animal. They, well, okay, how about this? The, this one is the obvious one. Would they be on your top ten? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, where, five, where would you put them? Probably. Oh, man, it Ooh. might just be at number six because for me, you got the Outlaws – uh, some okay, of the other well, names on this list. If stuff. you take uh, out me, number one, if you take out number one, technically that would make them the top five. Right, but I would slide the New Age Outlaws up too. So the problem oh. becomes, uh, ooh, God, 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 God. you know what I mean? Like it's it's very interesting. I, I they would be crack the top five most likely. Of course they would. It's it's it, the Legion of Doom. It's hard too because like that's the thing you're, you're comparing New Age Outlaws to Legion of Doom. You can't because Legion of Doom were were again a word that I love that you said. Was I don't know the if that's guard. Ron or Eric in the chat, but I want you guys when I when you see Hawk and Animal next time, you tell me that the word meaty doesn't come to mind when you see these <laughs> beefy dudes out here laying lumber <laughs> dude, I, on all I, these dudes. I talked Legion of Doom with Heidenreich last week, dude. <laughs> that was a that was a tag team, baby. Animal and and, and Heidenreich. I just saw this. I just saw this list recently too. That was like tag teams that hated that secretly hated each other or whatever. As like Animal hated working with Heidenreich. So Everybody, whatever. I think even Undertaker hated working with Heidenreich. No, Nobody and, and again they did the Legion of Doom dirty, and that was something. You know what? Legion of Doom gave New Age Outlaws their rub when when they they shaved Hawks Mohawk and put him through tables and all mm -hmm. this stuff, and like you're just like whoa, they really took it to him. And that, you know that helped legitimize the New Age Allies, and and so maybe I'd have to put Legion of Doom, and I would have to put them above the New Age Allies because without the Legion of Doom, and without New Age Allies having to get over on them, maybe the New Age Allies wouldn't even be, you know, what they it are. It was like Sean and Triple H with like you know having Sergeant Slaughter. Like there was that one authority figure that wasn't Vince McMahon, that was somebody who was a wrestler. Of, you know, of the past and the present coming on and, you know, wearing the spit shields and just being disrespectful to the older traditional wrestlers. Like, I think that's the same thing. Legion of Doom, mm -hmm. 
Sergeant Slaughter, they were both on the same pay-per-view when we watched SummerSlam. You know what I mean? We watched SummerSlam 93, and it's like, mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing. Oh, sorry, it's 91. Was it 91 yeah, that we watched? 91. Yeah, SummerSlam 91. So when we watched SummerSlam 91, there's, there's Sergeant Slaughter, Legion of Doom. But they were both on that pay-per-view. So it's like, these guys are all of the old tradition. And then you talk about guys like New Age Outlaws and DX. That kind the of difference like between, the difference between poking fun at Sarge when he's the commissioner and poking the bear that is the Legion of Doom is like that's the you thing don't that should do you don't want to do that. The dude. thing that should have happened though is Legion of Doom should have came back and pounded uh, the New Age Outlaws into paste. You know, at least once or twice because that's what you mm-hmm. want for the faces. You want you want them they 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 get it and then the bad guys the sh- they these these smarmy or weaselly heels get their get their comeuppance yeah yep they get to come up it's because that's a good story to, how to no, tell and a good i don't story. even need ron to use the word meaty i just need him to remember the word the meaty. Word i meaty. just need it to be ingrained in his brain when he sees the legion of doom in the future because with so, our money in the bank winner uh Big E, his biggest thing with the new day was big meaty men slapping meat dude and like they like they would wrestle and his big thing is he wants to face goldberg Goldberg should have faced Lashley. If Goldberg becomes champion, it will make our big meaty men collide, and then Biggie can have his big meaty moment. <laughs> Jeez! And, if he, and then the Legion of Doom can roll over in their grave. So moving on, moving on, might as well to number five. Since I think we said all that we could about Legion of Doom, badass team. They deserve where they're at spot wise. How if about this team? Higher, if not if higher, not higher, and it really depends on. You know, but who else is on the, the list? For but all the, any, of all the top people 10, on this list. Any top 10 around, I'd say. Any top many. 10 around, absolutely, unanimously. But for the next next five people that we're about to mention, well, besides number one, the next four people we're about to mention, I will say their spots are pretty pretty le- legit to me. But I would actually probably mm-hmm. switch two or three and four and obviously two and one, like bump one. So this all the way next one up. we're about to talk about, Ooh, there's five, my first square in the probably, jar. Yeah, oops. He almost made it. Almost made it an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. Brody's playing sweet tea. <laughs> I would say, here's what I'd say. Number five, what we're about to talk about, I would move them to number two because they are they do rank that high on my list. So so go ahead. Honestly, honestly, I think maybe so. That's kind of a good good point that you make. Oh, this, I so. forgot to do I forgot to do no, during number six. I was gonna go, yeah, the Legion of Doom, we're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Tell him, Hawk. And then you go, Well, <laughs> well. So there you go. Well, we well we did it. So we we got there. We got it so out. Now, so now now my brother testify. The Dudley Boys or Team 3D, whatever version of of the Dudley Boys you want to call them, they're they're number five. And, and <laughs> unfortunately for Devon, dude, out of all the cool stuff that they've ever done, the one thing that's going to be most memorable for me now is Enzo Amore telling that he's going to put his lazy eye back to work. <laughs> oh my gosh! You better stop. <laughs> okay, don't disrespect so. <laughs> Devon Dudley like Brother that. Brother Devon, testify. And no, he, you know, he, oh, that, that we didn't even make that the, the thing. What was something we should have been talking about as well during this is something that makes a great tag team is a great finish, and the Dudleys have one of the greatest tag team finishes of all time. What's what was with the three D? One of the number one things to do in a pool with your best, and you got somebody else three D. You three D them. 3D them. That's what no, we did and my we, nephew and we, last and week. And us as wrestling fans from the late 90s, we all know if someone throws it up exactly. We lost him. What it means. Oh, we're getting him back. A wood, when you see a wooden tape at any point in your life, 
you're immediately going to think of the Dudley boys. So you so missed like a say? whole good, good portion of that. But we got like when you throw up this, you know what it means? Oh, no, 3D. I was going to say when someone throws up this, we all know it's going to be a 3D. But the other part, no, that's this or this for John Cena. But the original, um, whenever you see a wooden table, you immediately think of the Dudleys. And, and they're just and, like, and oh, yeah. Okay, every time he something. went for the diving diving headbutt off the top, dude. <laughs> like the, Yeah, yeah, dude. No, it, to me, the Dudleys, great finish. And that, that, that's to the Legion of Doom as well. I want to say that the Legion of Doom had a great finish. The, Do the Doomsday Device is one of my all-time favorite tag team finishes. It, it probably it top two right there with the with the uh, 3D. So, so I I honestly I would switch them with number two or number three on this list or sorry number four on this list Edge and Christian, but I liked Edge and Christian more in terms of gimmick wise from the Brood to breaking out from the Brood like basically them the Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys. Best three tag teams in the WWE and, and my personal top five tag teams. I would say definitely those three are on the list for Universal. I'd obviously mm -hmm. include the Merge City Machine Guns on that list, you know, but still. 3D top Doritos five. did make a return. They and they, they all and they didn't do nacho cheese for some reason. So and they were weird, like weirder shaped, and you know, and they didn't have the Dudley Boys on them, so it just didn't feel right. So tough luck, right? Oh, imagine if they did 3D Doritos as Devon <laughs> and Bubba Ray in the glasses, just sitting on the couch. Hell yeah, that'd be fantastic. So that's the thing with these three tag teams because it's it's weird where you could put them. You could you could switch any one of these guys around on a list, and it would be fair. Like for some people, think, oh well, the Hardy Boys deserve to be number one. Other people would feel like the Dudley Boys or Edge and Christian. Mm -hmm. Either way, between these three teams, they all created magic together, and that's the TLC. They they all did something together that unanimously like puts them in the top three. Right, ranks, right. No, no to to ranked. the point in the chat too. They wouldn't be top three if they didn't have each other, and that's true. Yeah, you have to have this team. You know that the the your favorite tag team was Andre the Giant. To, 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 right. <laughs> His left and right fists. Right? No, no, no. It was um, the crutches he had before his last appearance <laughs> at SummerSlam 91, dude. Those crutches were his tag team. So, to your point, Rick, um, are we moving on to Edge and Christian or is there anything else to say about the Dudleys? Because here's the I, reason I would I'd move the Dudleys to number two. Is that not only in a, in a WWE list, but you have to realize the Dudleys ECW. were the TNA champions, the ECW champions. They were – I can't remember if they held the WCW tag titles when they were there, when the titles were up for grabs briefly. Um, but they've been anywhere and everywhere and consistently, uh, you know, a great tag team, Hall of Fame-worthy um, – yeah, exciting, and the, the gimmick is there. Even when they gave Bubba the stutter, he owned it, went for it. When They, they didn't when have they, the WCW titles. but they. So this is an interesting thing for me, though, is that the Dudley Boys were IWGP Tag Team Champions twice. Mm -hmm. So, like, all Japan Pro, too? That's crazy. No, they've been everywhere, man. Oh, yeah, they've been everywhere. But like, as far as, like, the teams, like, to hold something – when I see a wrestler that holds an IWGP title, to me, at being like like one of the the people that have held, held the same titles are the Murder City Machine Guns. So like see, seeing that, that's where I put that 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 special. So the Dudley Boys to have done the same thing and captured the same kind of thing actually kind of makes them more legitimate to me um, over Edge and Christian because IWGP is not something right. that goes Edge and Christian held. 
Edge and Christian uh, held the same tag titles, you know, however many times, like nine times or whatever. I, I see what you're saying. Like for, and that's why the Dudleys to me, like for Edge and Christian, it's a WWE list, so give it to them. But on an all-time tag teams list, the Dudleys have to be ranked higher for sure. I agree. And and Edge and Christian, there's not really much I actually have to say about them other than I enjoyed. I didn't really enjoy Edge by himself. I did, but at the same time. It's take me till now. Like I love Edge now, but like when Edge was a heel, like I was sour, sour grapes with Edge and Lita. The whole thing soured it for me for Edge. Um, I didn't really follow him like I used to. Like Edge face run where he like teamed up with Hogan and then he teamed up with Ray, where like he was solo then, and he was still coming out to Never Gonna Stop. That's my Edge, dude. Like that's where Edge solo career wise was. Christian, mm-hmm. at last year on your own, dude. One of the coolest things ever was Christian's breakout, having the long hair and then going short hair. Christian Cage, like no Christian Cage. That's the thing. Edge and Christian were so good at at different times separately, but but Edge and Christian, E and C, um, they're the antithesis to my point about tag team finishers. By the way, I'm listening. Uh, Where um, I don't think Edge and Christian ever had a definitive tag team finish, like that I can think of. Like the Dudleys and like the Legion of Doom. Well, like the well that's the thing. They, they, they didn't really have like the, the Swanton Bomb and the Twist of Fate. And even then, you could even to an extent. What makes Dudley Boys cool and should be over them is that because their tag team and finisher involved both of them doing the move together. Hardy Boys, it was more so Twist of Fate into the Swanton Bomb. You know, but you had right. cool things like Poetry and Motion. But the finisher was Twist of Fate and the Swanton Bomb. That was the finisher. But is it as cool as one guy picking one guy up and the other guy dropping him with a cutter? I don't know. I think no. that honestly, elevated the t- cutter, and going through a table because that was the thing. It was always like it made it like you had the table. So like to me, Edge and Christian, I would put them in my list like number three, Dudley Boys number two, um, Hardy Boys number one, or I, maybe I you can might, even flip. I might slide Edge and Christian out um, of the top five. Put them at six. Outlaws five. Legion Doom four. Like I said, Dudley's at two. Uh, we'll, we'll continue. Yeah, we'll, let, let's continue. With Edge and Christian, the, again, fantastic. Seeing them together is awesome. Um, now and then, I, I think that they um, that you had to have like you wanted to root for the Dudleys, you wanted to root for the Hardys, so you had to have that the, these shitheads, swear yeah. jar, to that that you wanted to see get beat up. And Edge and Christian played that role perfectly. Because it's so Ed- funny as we talk about these TLCs, but you know who went over more often than not in all of those TLCs and all those tables? Like Edge and Christian. It was Edge and Christian. They always went yeah. over. And so yeah. without that, I don't think, um, to the point in the chat too, it's like they, they needed each other. But I think the Hardys and Dudleys needed Edge and Christian as well. So Yeah, because they were both like the more like hardcore guys. Like yeah, like that was the thing. They were more hardcore. Edge and Christian were kind of like to balance that out. They were also hardcore. Edge has one of the, the most memorable spots spearing Jeff Hardy off of the off, off the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about when they when they all four of them climb up on the ladder, like all six of them climb up on the ladders and they were fighting. Like the a lot of these guys did a lot of innovative things with ladders, chairs, tables, you name it. But like having two hardcore teams like that, like the Hardy Boys just sacrificing themselves on the line. And then like the Dudley Boys just being that that hardcore aggressive group, having the gimmick that Edge and Christian had, which was these cocky heels, really right. made it entertaining. Because these were the right. guys that were taking advantage of these guys being stupid, like Jeff Hardy. I'm gonna go jump, flip, flip off this ladder. Oh, I'm unconscious. And then, and then like, Edge is well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not unconscious. Yeah. I'll go grab that bell. Or Christian, be like, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. The opportunity, 
the uh, the opportunists. I, I know what you're saying. Like they are the um, ultimate opportunists. Yeah, exactly. So so that's so what credit where credits do. Edge and Christian mm-hmm. could go in any top five. But you know, in terms uh, of skill or whatever you want to call whatever that is, because the Hardys were just spot monkeys. Like, come on, Jeff Hardy's jumping off stuff. No, just get out of here. Like, no, nah, nah, just spot monkeys. But no, no, no. They, innovators of offense. They are innovators of offense, but a high flying offense where that's like going to be the only thing they do for the next like twenty years, except for Matt because of his his spine to, to ass so, ratio. So speaking but, of. One group that's not a part of this conversation is the Hart Foundation, which is number number three. Number three. Number three. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Hart Foundation. It's fantastic. Again, it's that mix of power and finesse. You got Brett and Anvil. Um, it, it just works. Honestly, it's one of the first. It's like the uh, the uh, prototype for a lot of like tag team success in the future. And and again, to tag team finishers, they had the heart attack where uh, Anvil picks them up. In like a reverse atomic drop position, and then Brett comes out, hits the ropes, hits him with the like a clothesline, and then just like Anvil drops him like a sack. Of, uh, that move potatoes. gives me a heart attack. Use the word potatoes. Um, oh, and the, yeah, of course, Jimmy Hart. See, that's a part of the Hart Foundation that gets kind of uh, um, unspoken. Was yeah, they they were great in the ring, but y'all said Jimmy Hart on the megaphone outside, you know, hyping him up. Which is which is good for him too because it's part of the tag teams. He he's he's made so many teams, but one of the the teams that like you know the Hart Foundation, dude, Jimmy Hart being part of the Hart Foundation, to me like that was like one of the best teams that he's he's managed because it was about Jimmy hyping up. (laughs) What was it? The the natural disasters, dude. It wasn't that like to me. Right, right, right. No, and sometimes they've tried to make. thought jimmy could legitimize the team but the point is like the the heart foundation was so good and them working in uh synchronicity that's what made it work it, it's not you can't just bring jimmy hart in on the megaphone and and, and can, can you imagine it, a heart foundation where like bobby the, the brain was like over. the brains behind it like instead of jimmy like that would be a more to me a more focused more serious heart foundation Maybe. like what what they could have done as heels with like the guys like bobby the brain but that's you know another what if for another time. Right, right. But is there anything more that you want to say about them? I to me, um, so like that's the like thing I about said, Heart Foundation. Uh, being a Shawn Michaels boy, being all that, like I didn't follow the Heart Foundation. Like I followed Stone Cold and like I followed Shawn Michaels. So unfortunately for me, I have a little bit of a bias there because to me, I I I walked with Shawn Michaels, and ever since then, to me, Bret, Bret Hart's career wasn't really idolized like you would have with like, a lot of Canadians. Especially like one of the Canadians that you know is in this chat probably would you know pick Bret Hart's side just because he's Canadian. But uh, <laughs> I I just I don't get me wrong, Bret Hart definitely working class. I feel like unfortunately for him, what bit him in the ass was his traditional style. It just made him more of like one of those less gimmick characters, more less entertaining to me because he could go fifty minutes, sixty minutes, but I don't care. I don't care. He didn't have the it factor that drawn me in or drew me in when I was right. younger. Like when I was like I my extension, my attention span being eight and seven at that time, right. he wasn't doing it for me. You need, so, you need a Brett to hit, you need a Brett to hit a moonsault. <laughs> like <so> yeah. <laughs> you could get your attention. I get exactly. it. So but, number but not, two, but, it's, but it's something oh. that we can, we can, uh, with Brett and Anvil as well, the heart foundation. Um, I was just going to say they're, they're in any top five, you know, not, maybe not mine. They might get squeaked out somewhere at number seven. But I think I still um, feel like they'd be a top ten. Though. Like, so, like to yeah, not sure. 
to not discredit them. They would be a number ten. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they're a bad tag team. It's just they're like, not my. I like how top for number five. two, for number two, Rick. We've tried to not talk about them as much as we can uh-huh. in the lead up to talking about them, and so it's uh-huh. like, what is there to say for number two here, which is the Hardy Boys, Team Extreme, which was t- Team Extreme was the Hardy Boys with Lita. So let's be real here. So Hardy Boys, Matt Hardy, and Jeff Hardy. Team Extreme, Matt Hardy, Lita, and Jeff Hardy, which to me was honestly one of the coolest things ever. The the addition oh, no, to Lita the to the group. Are... I mean, those these guys have they they won all the gold. <laughs> they won all the gold. That's that's to me hands down by default. The fact that they've won WCW gold, they won all. Oh my god, dude, they've won Ring of Honor gold. Like, mm-hmm. I love the Hardy Boys, even Not to this day. Uh, they got one of the biggest, biggest props when they came out at WrestleMania. Was it 34 when they returned? Something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was crazy. And like that's that's to me like they deserve. I they deserve to be number one for me in the, in, in my list. I don't know. That's kind of hard because I would put Mercy Machine Guns. But regardless, number one as far as like the tag teams to go. There's no. I would way still you put, the, put the Murder City Machine Guns on no, any no, no. list. No, Mer- Mercy. Murder Murder City Machine Guns would be number two for me because the Hardy Boys were the original tag team for me. They're they're what like when I was watching them, they were cool. When I when I got the action figures, the flex belly ones with the with the pants, those were the cool guys that I was picking up. I wanted Jeff Hardy. Dude. Jeff Hardy was like my favorite wrestler, dude. And that's mm-hmm. like that's why to me they they would stay number one because even though like now I would be like, oh well Jeff Hardy isn't as good as he used to be. Whatever, that's age. Like, like that's, if they that's came right, out, that's, Father Time beat Jeff Hardy up as well as many ladders, tables, and 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 high spots. Like, you know, so of course Jeff's not going to be all that. Yeah, and like to me, and Matt Hardy's they, not going to do it either. But they're such innovators of offense. They're such innovators of style. You know, and how they look, their look, their their way about them in the ring, and that daredevil, um, that their daredevil. Um, you know nature and stuff it, it all just it all just worked and we you wanted to what were you, what were you doing off you of your roof at, uh, onto a trampoline always well the, either that or the five star frog splash so i mean yeah already dude like respect where respect is done but like dude at least once if you're gonna jump off something high the first thing you think of is i gotta oh, do that i gotta do the swanton ball baby i gotta do it and or you could be that hardy and you're like, I'm gonna do the leg drop instead because I don't want no, I don't want to kill myself. <laughs> like doing a swat top right. bob, dude, over overextended. Yeah. So, so the like, hardies, um, <laughs> either either right where they are meant to be or number one for me, if anything. Mm-hmm. Then absolutely. Um, so I, I think they're right where they belong. So uh that leads us to number one. Maybe not as much to say about number one as anything. Um, but this is it. We finally made it to, we number, made it one. to number one. Congratulations. We don't have to do this next week. No more. Oh no! Wait, we, you, know what? you know what? Why don't we just wrap it up here and we'll just do number yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can wait for number one for next week if you want. Just kidding. We'll do it. The it new day. Number one. The, the new day. New day. One of the one of the greatest things I want to see out of the new day is is this split. But um. Oh no! Come on. No, no, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean because if anything that you're gonna do with the new day, the best. I don't know. What they've done is kind of like the John Cena way, where like some people would want them to go heel, and one of the things was they wanted to see the New Day turn on each other and 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 fold in on each other because that's what you do with a faction, like you've seen with DX, like certain factions fold in on each other because of egos. So it's like it's it only makes sense for a storyline wise to want to see like Big E versus Kofi or Big E, you know, or what about Xavier Woods versus Kofi? Like he blames him for why the tag team didn't work. Like it's just something natural that you want to see happen, but. 
maybe it's better off that it doesn't because these guys being real life friends and being as close as they are and together all three of these guys came up together in, in, in the struggle and made something great out of that struggle. So to give New Day their due, um, being number one on this list, I'm fine with it because it, it happened. Okay. If I could change it, <laughs> I would. But the New Day, you gotta you gotta give them credit. These are three guys that were given something that was supposed to be, you know, nothing and oh. they made they made something that about guys who maximize their 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 potential there for sure. They did as much as they could and in respect respect is is due here. I, I think it, that the New Day is great. Um, it's very interesting to have this kind of Freebird-esque uh, three-man team. It's more of a stable than a tag team. But, um, you know, I, I think it's cool. I think it's innovative. They've, they've, made, they've popped me a million times, and that's what you asked for, um, you know, from the costumes to the, the what you want to call a gimmick or whatever. Being weird isn't necessarily. Pancakes. But, but to be the default, to be number one, I don't agree with. Being the default stable or whatever because there's nobody else around being the default isn't always what makes you number one maybe it does by default right. but on this list not for me right, right. <laughs> like that's oh, all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna discredit them i'm just gonna say that i feel like that as a new day they did a lot for tag teams but on a greatest 50 tag teams of all time i don't think they're the greatest tag team of all time right that's and with, with that though we should pat out this tag team on the back for making it through with uh you know minus two minutes to spare Mm-hmm. So let it, tell them where they can find us, Rick. If you want to find us next week at 7 p.m. Eastern, that whatever time that they're going to give us, 8 p.m., whatever, you can go follow us on at The Wrestling Den on Facebook. You can go find us at Wrestling Den TM on Twitter. You can go find us and watch us at Sports Unfolded on Facebook and YouTube. We got Spotify. We got Google. You know, you we got Anchor. You can listen to us if you don't want to look at us. You can listen to us, but why would you not want to look at this savage? Macho Man Ricky Savage, yeah. And Nikolai Jerkoff, yeah. <laughs> tag team partner, yeah. <laughs> so please. We, we'll keep we, working we, on that nickname. We'll keep working on it, but we do appreciate you guys coming out. We do appreciate Ron, Eric, for giving us this time to be able to get a full two hours in, baby. Get a full two hours in to talk wrestling with you guys. Can't wait to do it again next time. You know, You'll see us again on Thursday. Next Thursday, we'll have some more interesting stuff for you. But until then, you guys take it easy. Peace. My Joe Man Ricky Savage says good night.